Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are around the world. And welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I'm Michael Zalavari. Joining me today is Mr. Otsman, Austin Zetsman. Austin, how are you this morning? Uh, yep, yep. Uh, bright early. Uh, Tropical Storm Fred is moving slowly further away from us in the Gulf of Mexico. So uh, we were kind of supposed to get ready for Tropical Storm today, but it decided to not... Us, so I'm doing actually a lot better than I thought I was going to be. Oh, well, I thought How you loved your tropical Mike? storms. Well, I mean, yes, but, you know, from a generic human standpoint, uh, hurricane, tropical storm, bad yeah, in fair. my community. Yeah, so fair. Anyway. That's the stance I'm going to take officially. But you, know what, you know what is good, though, Cookie? What? As of recording this podcast... We are one week and one hour away from the start of the 24 hours of Le Mans for 2021. How cool is that? Yeah, we're, uh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's still not in the right time slot, but you know what? Honestly, what, what, whenever that statement is said, uh, I don't know, you, you, you get way more excited for the next like calendar week. Um, so even though it's not in June, it's in August, which is better than September, but still not June. I'm uh, still very amped for it. So this should be really good. It's going to be good installment. It's going to be a good installment, and that's partly because we've got a bunch of new stuff happening around the series, a bunch of old stuff happening around the series as well. And one of the old things that we do here on Endurance Chat, if this is your first time listening to us, first of all, welcome. I hope you enjoy. Uh, but second of all, we're going to do our LMH and LMP to. Uh, entry list introduction give you a bit of an insight into where these teams have come from where what their strengths are who we think are the ones to watch and then just a, a few discussions about where the LMP and LMH classes sit at the moment cookie are we ready to jump straight into it let's jump well, firstly, we've got to thank our sponsor, the RacingLine.app, keeping you abreast of all of the sessions for Lamar and all of motorsport. Make sure you give them a cheeky little download uh, because they will help you help you with watching races because, darn it, there's just too much racing to watch and too many series to keep a track of. So it's good to have an app that, that does it for you. And yeah, thank you for them to them for sponsoring this podcast. I mean, especially for Americans uh, yes. in the next week. It's been difficult at times to get the conversion right with some of the other sessions that aren't really just broadcasted on FIWC.com. So mm. it's good to have an app that actually does display mo- almost all the other sessions, including the support races, which this year are fantastic and- at Lamar, so... Yeah, they're, they're really, really cool. We might have a bit of a chance to chat about them at the end, but we should crack straight into the entry list. And the way that we're going to do this is we're going to talk about our pro class first in the prototypes or the hypercar, um, which is our LMH class. And then we'll talk about LMP2 all in uh, one big clump. But uh, Cookie, what is the LMH class? It's brand new for 2021. Give us a quick introduction if, if, uh, if someone hadn't encountered the class before. Uh, well, LMH is the uh, product of the ACO's uh, development of a, the successor to the LMP1 category that was in effect for like since 2005 to 2020. And basically, it is a way to encourage more um, manufacturers, um, specifically uh, large makes um, like that make over 3,600 cars a year um that have the ability to enter a potentially a road going 
a converted car into race spec or a completely from the ground up prototype um, that has to have unique OEM stylings. So a, more along the lines of GT1, but still a little bit of prototype, kind of like Group C, um, I would say. How how has the ICO aimed this class? How how has it achieved the the thing of making it something that is attractive to manufacturers from an from an LMH standpoint to start with? Uh, BOP. BOP. That's one thing. What about what about uh, what other things? I feel like I'm in a class right now. Yes, uh, I, I'm no. quizzing you. Yes. Uh, yeah, I would say, um, re- well, reduced, uh, more weight um, and a little bit yeah. reduced power. Yep. Oh, no, uh, the power's well actually gone up. Equalize. The power's gone up, actually. Oh, uh, the, has it? Just a little bit. The thing that I wanted you to touch on was cost. Oh, oh, oh of course, of course. Duh. Um, yeah, all right. Yeah, that's probably the biggest elephant in the room right there. Um, would definitely be cost for LMH. Um, specifically when it comes to, um, <laughs> well, we'll say cost without really necessarily talking about anybody coming until two years from now, which is LMDH, which is cost underlined like 50 more times. Yeah. But, um, yeah, these are drastically less expensive than the potential could have been for LMP1. Granted, I don't know how much Toyota was paying at the end of that stint, considering they really weren't doing too much upgrades. They still were doing testing and servicing those cars more like a normal LMP1H um, factory team would, but still hundred million a year is, is a ton, uh, you know, uh, especially back then, Yeah, you know, we'll say that like five years ago versus F1 budgets, which were, some of them were way not even close to that and that much running midfields. Yeah. So that was nuts. Yeah, and and the way that anyway. they've been able to to cut down those costs is to to have a, a formula which is uh, aerodynamics limited. So that means the cars are, are less less good through the corners; they're heavier, and as a compensation, they've got a little bit more power. But it, there's interesting that you mentioned the the two different sort of schools of thought there uh, of either building a bespoke sh- chassis a prototype um which is what toyota have done um and they've also attached a hybrid to it which is i think a small capacity road going hybrid or, or some sort of development hybrid not nearly the same as the hybrids that we used to see in the lmp1 h era and the other uh, the other school of thought which is a uh road going chassis uh which is part of the reason why the uh the weight is a little higher but that was initially to uh i I guess appease but to appeal to the likes of aston martin and mclaren but at the end it's enabled someone like glickenhaus uh who is a sort of uh boutique uh american manufacturer of cars to come in with a purpose-built race car which they're maybe trying to make road legal versions of so two entirely different schools of thought there uh of of those two the toyota and the glickenhaus what what are your thoughts? Who who do you reckon has done? Well, I don't want to say who who's done the best job, but which school of thought do you like better? The the sort of road going chassis or the bespoke prototype? I feel like the road going chassis is a hard target to fully like you know hit. Yeah, in my opinion, um, I I think it's good on paper, but in actual practicality of trying to get everybody to cooperate and play nice and um and actually introduce like you know uh production level i don't want to say production level but like production cars potentially that are then kind of 
that are road legal to a certain extent, but are race cars. That's definitely an interesting concept, but just how you go about doing that and how you go about making sure people don't go crazy with it, Mm. I think would just be a mess. And there's not a whole lot of security kind of, if I can say that in that, in that kind of thinking, because from like an OEM standpoint, because the, from even just explaining it this way, you wouldn't have any way to like, know if there's a right or wrong or just kind of like where there's a baseline to build a chassis to a certain extent. Um, and I, I don't know. So I, I don't think that that would work too well in practicality. So I'm more in terms of just build a prototype, uh, ground up, and just go from there. Yeah. Um, and just have a have a strict but loose set of regulations to allow for, sure, like manufacturer styling, uh, body work, but also to allow for some aero development if need be. Um, but to have more of it to be on the underside of the car, that mm. kind of stuff. Yeah. More like what F1's doing a little bit. Yeah, and, and what, IndyCar. what we've seen from the upcoming car for 2022 from Peugeot, the 9X8, yeah. which looks pretty wild. Uh, we'll, we'll leave that discussion there, and we'll talk a, just quickly, just very briefly. We've had three hypercar races uh, so far. So in the, the WC season, we've had uh, Monza, we've had Spa-Francorchamps, and we've had uh, Portimao. Uh, from what you've seen of LMH, is this a an adequate replacement for LMP1? I'm only gonna give you sixty time, seconds. You get sixty seconds time, to explain your answer. Time will tell. Time will tell. Uh, so what you're saying is you have no it, answer. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I'm saying probably not. I in like, well, and that's the thing is that like it's because there's not there's not a whole lot of people there's not a whole lot of LMHs right now competing against Toyota. And because we're not just seeing toe-to-toe battles yet with Glickenhaus and Toyota yet, it's still Toyota leading a bunch of other people. And I think it's easier to then immediately compare in your head what it was like with LMP1Hs cruising around versus the how you know relatively slower these LMHs are. So that's my immediate first yeah. impression. So I feel like in the next couple of years, as we start building a field and as they start racing each other then I think that should go away. You know, I, I, I think it's kind of like even with when Grand Am uh, converted from WSP or WSC cars um, and GT1s it to the DP field and fielding basically like Porsche Cup cars, that like that was a huge hit in mm. terms of the overall speed of the race and just the lap times, but they had a huge field to compensate for it. And just everything was all random. But here it's still the same kind of, you know, the same results, essentially, from the first three races that we would have seen the last two. Yeah. And it's just, it. I, I think a lot of this will be a lot easier to be like, oh, yeah, the it's way easier to, uh, to cheer this on. It's way easier, you know, I haven't really seen a difference. And I think you'll, okay, that's you, time. you'll probably get... Oh. Time up. Time up. I you'll, gave you more than you'll that. Probably, you'll probably get that in the next few years from people but yeah. right now they'll be like yeah i still need to see more cars yeah. i think that's what you'll get yeah I, I i hope that is the case and remember it was only 10 years ago that uh an lmp1 car breaking the two minute 25 barrier at lamar was like the biggest deal in motor racing you know the lap time the the pole position time for the uh 2011 24 hours of lamar was a uh 322 
And so the LMH class is meant to be is expected to be a bit slower than that. It's meant to be about 325. But, you know, we have taken a step backwards, but it's not that far of a step backwards you know there's still that development time um for these cars even though they're homologated for five years to to ramp up into that sort of lap time and get balanced against each other and all that sort of thing uh so let's talk about these cars now toyota gazoo racing with their gr010 hybrid uh these are the cars that have been the class of the field so far the same driver lineups as last year conway kobayashi and lopez in car seven buemi nakajima brendan hartley in car eight if you're a fan of sports car racing you know these guys inside out if you're a fan of formula one you know four out of six of them uh pretty well lopez comes from a world touring car background and uh and i think and conway has done bits and pieces in indycar conway's actually come up through the ranks in sports cars he used to race in lmp2 a long way back any any thoughts or surprises in toyota's uh campaign so far um, no, I, I mean, I, I think what's surprising is to see that either the number seven or number eight in the last like three or four years can essentially be the number one team mm. in terms of, uh, in terms of what they've been able to do. But I still think the number eight, even though I think the number seven has had a better start to the season, um, just in terms of the potential of that car, they've, I think the seven has looked better, but I, I think, how it's gone, the number eight is just, you know, I, I think that's the senior team at this point, even though it's Kobayashi and the other on the other side. Um, Buemi but, and Nakajima are just really, really good. And obviously, Ben Hartley is just fantastic. So I, I still think that number eight is the favorite, in my opinion. Yeah, the and, squad. and they are the current championship leaders. It hasn't been... All smooth sailing, though, no. for, for Toyota so far. Uh, they've had reliability problems uh, at Spa-Francorchamps. One of their cars was absolutely nowhere They with reliability problems. At Portimao, they were much more on an even keel. Both cars, remember, we had that uh, issue at the end of the race where they were doing... Uh, what was it? Team orders, and it was all a bit of a farce. But especially at Monza, they looked vulnerable at Monza and that's something we haven't said about Toyota in a long time yeah and especially that there were parts of the race where they had I would say a comfortable lead and that you know reasonably I I would say it would be reasonable to assume that there might be a problem with Glickenhaus or at least something that you know if if Glickenhaus were to push and get close to the lead Mm. and even maybe try to pass for the lead that they would have to push their car and even break it then. And I mean, if I, you know, speaking as an armchair, you know, race car driver and strategist, all that stuff after the fact, you know, that could have been something that they were even thinking, we'll just do that anyway, but they still had problems. So, you know, for Glickenhaus stuff that they had was, I believe a brake change and just some, some brake issues. Yeah. And that they're Mal, hopeful yeah. that what well, poor and at Monza, which is what, cost them essentially potentially the lead uh with the issues with toyota and i can't recall specifically what toyota had uh, an issue with but i believe it was they had a puncture on one car they had a puncture on one car but i think the lead car had another issue or maybe that was the puncture there was Um, there was a puncture on one car and then the other one had a a a problem with uh was it an engine component or something just something something definitely wasn't right with that car yeah and again, 
Right, yeah, that should have been remembered. But I know with Glickenhaus, you know, going a cylinder down off the off the start did not help. Mm. And I I think with with theirs, it's still more just annoying teething problems. But if one of those cars doesn't hit any teething problems, especially in the twenty four hours, and all they need to do is maybe do some brake pad changes, you know, like a couple times halfway through. It, that beats being in the pits for 10, 15 minutes if you're Toyota having a, an engine issue that you need to have something switched out for, or they have something similar with some brake issues due to, um, you know, the hybrid system in there. You know, we're not sure. This is the first time that we're going to see a 24-hour race out of this car in anger at Le Mans. Mm. Um, and last time we saw Toyota do that, they they were out after six hours. Yeah. So, so it's 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 certainly not all all done for just yeah. I know we're setting setting off on a great start for the podcast, really setting the mood nice and high. Uh, but yeah, it, it's the first time that there's been a brand new top class for at Lamar for a long time. That's going to come into it. What about Glickenhaus? What about the the contenders here? What what have you you made of their uh, their championship so far? Uh, I I think it's solid. I. Um, I mean, I, I would be happy so far if I was Jim Glickenhaus and him and he wanted a, a status update. So far, I'd say yeah. it's good. Yeah. Um, okay. Both of his cars competed well at Monza. And, I, I'd say. And that was a track that they were more designed for. Glickenhaus has been open from the very beginning and saying that his cars, these SCG 007 LMHs, have been designed for fast straight line speed breaking in a straight line that real acceleration and braking efficiency so monza was a real litmus test for them and they did quite well uh they led the race at one point until they ran into their problems uh so that they're certainly in with a shout their drivers they've got a, a, a battery of seven drivers so that means one's missing out each race uh and the unfortunate man to miss out this time is gustavo menezes so in the 708 car they have pipo durani frank malu Melu, Melu. I don't know how to. I don't know how to spell spell French. Say French names with a bunch of constant vowels together. Melu, Melu, uh, and Olivier Pla. Uh, that one's easy. That's only got one vowel. Uh, yeah. And then oh. the seven oh nine car. Uh, this is the car that's run two races as opposed to the seven oh eight one race, which has Ryan Briscoe making his return uh, after sitting out Monza, Richard Westbrook in the second seat, and then Romain Dumas in the third seat. So a lot of experience in those driver lineups and a little bit of a fresh face in Melu. Which one of those two do you reckon is the stronger lineup? Uh seven oh eight for me would probably be the stronger lineup. Even Interesting. though Westbrook and Dumas <clears throat> I would say Westbrook and Dumas and Durrani are probably the fastest drivers with Glickenhaus. But what? Oh no, sorry, you, I got distracted by soccer. I got distracted oh, by soccer, you, I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> I was like what? There's no way you can hate that take. Well, that okay. Was, that so, was... <laughs> I, I do have an issue with your take, though. So, you said Westbrook, Dumas, and Durrani are the three fastest drivers, yet two of them yeah. are in one car, and you're saying the other car is quicker. I just... I don't know. Fair. I'm... I, look, Westbrook, <laughs> I think, is the faster driver, but he can also have an off day, I feel like. Yeah. So, I'm going to say that 708 on... Uh, a week from today is going to be the faster car. Okay, okay, that's fine. Uh, I, I'm interested to see how Melu does. I'm not. I haven't seen much of his 
uh, competition before, so he'll be he's a big unknown for me. Um, but we know we've seen plenty of times how quick Durrani is. We remember his incredible start to the 2016 season where he won Daytona and uh, Sebring basically off his own back. And Olivier Pla has been terrifyingly fast in a lot of different things. Uh, Dumas and Westbrook and Briscoe, for for that matter, bring a lot of experience to the team. So I think it's a good a good mix and match of some exciting young talent in Malou, uh, a few people at the top of their games, and then a few people with a lot of experience um, to to really drive that point home. Now, there is another entry into the hypercar class, and it is a grandfathered LMP1 machine. Not an LMP1 hybrid machine, but a uh, one of the uh, ICE-only uh, Rebellion R13s it used to be. It's now an Alpine A480s run by Elf Matmut. Uh, and that car has Andre Negrau, Nicolas Lapierre, and Matteo Vaxavier in a very French-looking outfit. Cookie, how have we rated the... LMP1 grandfathering so far. Has the ACO achieved what they've wanted with the grandfathered LMP1? And what was that? What did they um, want? They, I mean, if you look back, um, way back in a 3.5 liter era when that started and they, they were grandfathering in uh, Group C cars, they did the same thing. I mean, um, not to a certain extent they they didn't really mess too much with their performance but they certainly like limited their their start ability and uh and you know but ma- tried to make it so that the the 3.5 liter cars were faster and could also like absolutely hold their own but reliability kicked in and yeah. pretty much all of those guys dropped out so as far as that's concerned, it looks very similar um, for the WC season and also for the BOP tables coming in the test day for ACO for Lamar. It very much resembles how that was, where these are slightly neutered, not crazy amounts, but enough where the new cars should easily be able to beat the old spec cars, but they're definitely fast still. Um, they're kind of in a league of their own. Yeah just right under LMH. So I, I think it's been, I think it's been as much to be expected. Um, and I think too, if we're at Lamar and we're seeing any of the Glickenhauses leading, um, try to find where that Alpine is. Cause it's probably going to be the next up. If it, yeah. <laughs> if, and when those Glickenhauses fail. Cause, um, cause the Alpine has, has shown that it has the pace in brief patches, it hasn't had the the longevity of the the Toyotas, but it's it's been hampered by a single fatal flaw. Or you could argue that it's a flaw. I think it's very very good politicking by the ACO uh, in their case. But they they haven't had it all their own way, despite being the faster car at times. Uh, and that is because they've been limited by the amount of fuel that they can hold. Of course, the car's designed about a certain size fuel tank, and with the LMH regulations, they're allowed a bit more fuel, but the Alpine can't hold all that fuel, so it's forced to make more pit stops. Uh, and that has been what's kept it definitely behind the LMH cars. Now, I don't see a problem with that. Cookie, what are your thoughts? No, no. I mean, like, I, I think it is, um, you know, using specific policies a, a certain way. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm fine with that. I Cause, mean, because what is the point? Is... What is the point of the car being grandfathered? Why, why would you grandfather a car if you know that you're going to be hit with additional ballast or balancing or whatever? Why would you do that? Why would you bother? Um, 
Well, because especially as we've seen with um, new uh, categories being introduced to these long endurance races, that they're especially if it's the first time that these cars have ever competed in an endurance race that long before, that there's usually teething issues, as that there's usually things that don't normally occur, um, you know, four or five years into a regulation, they happen the first year. I mean, don't need to even look any farther than, what is it, 2002 or was it 2003, uh, Daytona 24, where all the DPs basically yes. died. And a GT class one overall. And, um, so, and that would yeah. not have been very, very pleasing for those at uh, IMSA who made that program. And like the last time a a top class car was grandfathered in a brand new set of regulations. I mean, brand brand new set of regulations. It won. It was. Uh, we're talking what 1991, where the the Mazda. 787 which not only was it a shit group c car but also was given a bit of a boost as well because it managed to not take all of the the ballast that it was meant to get ended up winning the race because the 3.5 liter cars which you were just mentioned all, all ran into trouble so yeah so it, i think i think yeah time and again we've seen um you know new categories and new regulations kind of wreak havoc the first year with their own which is teething because no one has it right yet yeah and the level of competition is just that high so um i i think that's reason and also because there was potential for them to actually um look to join and this is an easy stepping stone and what better way to have actual raw data um, to come into a class as a factory effort than if you are running a pseudo factory effort um, with a, a privateer team. Exactly, exactly right. So that's why they're here. They, we, we've done the maths thanks to uh, our good friend Oliver Trovis, and he has worked out based on some stint length analysis and uh, pit stop analysis that the Alpine will lose about a lap in comparison to the LMH cars just in the pit lane, just in taking extra stops. So that's kind of what they need to overcome. But if if uh, if Toyota run into problems, if Glickenhaus have to change brakes, that's a trivial amount of time. But except except it's not a trivial amount of time because a lap at Le Mans is still a lap at Le Mans. Who's uh, who's servicing Alpine again? Uh, yeah, oh, Signatech. That's yeah, it. Signatech. Sorry, yeah. That, I, of course. Yeah. So that's yeah. a and they have a they're a championship winning team. They're a Le Mans winning team. They're a you know, incredibly sure. They're basically almost Renault factory. They're as close as you can get to being Renault factory without being Renault factory effectively. And, and from what I heard is that, that the reason why they're called Alpine or that they're do, they're doing that is because they had the contract with Alpine for X amount of years to run with the prototype team. They just decided to step up to LP one and make this as a little pitch to, Renault and Alpine execs to try to get into LMH. Mm. And so that's why they're still, that's why they were able to use the Alpine name. It's not like you are, I think you're absolutely right though. It is, it is basically as close to a factory kind of like P2 uh, LMH, you know, like, you know, prototype effort as you can get, but it's not like the full, like Alpine themselves, the executives are the ones on, you know, stamping, um, everything on it you know yeah themselves it's it's all kind of like signatech using the brand name that they can use on the side of the car to try to pitch this to 
executives, which might have actually worked. This, well, you know, yeah. Well, I, I guess we'll find out. And uh, if you're if you're unaware, Lamar is also the time for big news in sports cars. So even if you're not entirely sure about what's going on in terms of the race, if you have an interest in the sport, like the sports car news landscape, Lamar will be the time when everyone wants to announce their their program. So. What about something Something that I'm going to ask you because I know that you're going to hate answering this question. Nicolo Lapierre, right? In a P2 car, he has a almost 100% winning record at Lamar. He has four wins out of five starts. In a, in a P1 car, it wasn't as smooth sailing. Uh, as a Toyota fan through and through, Cookie, I'm sure you know very well uh, Nicolo Lapierre's problems as as a p1 driver at lamar lmh are we going to see the p2 lapierre or are we going to see the p1 lapierre uh p2 lapierre you sure yeah okay what makes you say that um because he's not going to be in any amount of i mean like maybe early on just to fight with the leaders maybe but i mean as this car falls back as the race progresses, it's just, it's going to be difficult uh, to make a ton of mistakes if you're kind of like running your own race, I yeah, feel. Fair enough. Um, uh, and for those so. for those missing the context, uh, Lapierre was drafted into the third car for the Toyotas in previous years, when back when they were running the TSO 40 and the TSO 50, and somehow managed to break the car. Firstly, it was in the rain in 2015. Uh, it came into 14. a... 14? 14? 15? Yep. 14? 14, 14, 14 uh, where he came into a, a section of the Mulsanne way too fast, uh, which had been just pouring down with rain and rode off a car. The next time in 2017, he had an incident just after a full course yellow and uh, ended up with a, uh, a puncture, which ripped the car apart effectively. So he has a bit of a habit of breaking things in P1. So let's hope that... Uh, well, it- uh, yeah. But it was also the like most inopportune times. Like the times yeah. that he bend it were times where if he wouldn't have done anything, like if he would have just kept on the track or not gotten into anybody, like the car would have probably inherited the lead. Now it probably might not have won still, but like 2014 was definitely one for me. It was just like, oh my god, like I can't, I like because the other one had the. The wiring loom burn, yeah, and that's how it DNF. They were they were by far and away the best car there. Like they yeah. were just dominating the race. And like if that if if the, he just kept it slow during the rain, that car might have went all the way to the to the end without burning. And yeah, who knows? But still, anyway, who that's knows? my Toyota fandom rant. Yeah. Okay, Cookie. Lamar. Okay. Lamar. Uh, does an LMH car win? Uh, does an LMKH car get to the end of the race with enough strength and a minimal amount of reliability to win the race? I'll say from what I've seen, yes. Yep. But okay. I am hoping to God that's not the case. Okay, why? <laughs> why? Because I would absolutely love to see chaos. I mean, <laughs> like 2017 was great, but at the same time, it was just it, there was that inevitability, and it was Porsche. So it just kind of yeah. felt like they weren't like, you know, like it was, it, they were going to win it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And they had the pace for it. But this genuinely feels like even if Toyota had a, a couple blows or something like that to them and they went a couple laps down, like, yeah, they're probably going to make that back up. But 
it's such you know like reliability would be such a thing yeah and, and i i don't know i mean like i would love to just see that not be the case but i do think that somebody is going to last long enough uh 24 hours like they might have like i said if it's if toyotas have problems and it's clicking house leading they will probably do brake changes and stuff like that so you will still see pit work done like yeah, it's not going to be a clean run like we've seen an LP one H's with factory efforts, but th- that would probably be the extent of what it, it is. But otherwise, yeah, I mean that's a huge w- if factor for these guys is reliability. So okay, I still think they're going to do it. In, in saying that, which car will take the take the win? Do you reckon? I'm gonna go, I'll go number eight. I mean, number I'm eight? a Toyota fan. So yeah, you are a Toyota I'll, fan. Uh, I, I am just to just to clarify that um, number eight for me. Um, so that's no, Buemi, Nakajima, and Hartley. Yeah, and then I'll say Glickenhaus seven oh nine. But you said the seven oh eight. Oh my god, Cookie, you're so aggravating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're the I worst. Think, I think I think the seven oh eight is going to be the faster one of the weekend, but that's going to have problems. And okay. Seven oh nine is going to have the the more reliable race. Okay. Okay. And I... Number seven is going to have problems. So we'll see the 708 or uh, 709 sorry, uh finishing second and then the Alpine finishing third. If the if the number That's 7 fun. car has problems again, I feel I would feel so bad for Mike Conway who's been the best driver at Le Mans the past 3 se- 3 years running almost and has not come away with a Le Mans victory. Uh a, a question then, if Toyota do win, does that sort of legitimize their uh previous three victories because i think like this is a conversation that we've had in bits and pieces uh in different formats in discussion threads and on this podcast as well uh the the legacy of the tso 50 yes it won three le mans in a row but it won three le mans in a row against competitors that were not in the same technology class if toyota go ahead and win against glickenhaus against the alpine does that mean that those last three wins are part of that legacy are part of the the enduring uh like professional nature of the toyota team because you'd have to say if they lose this year it kind of calls into the question, uh, calls the the past wins into question, being like, well, they had no real competitors; they were just kind of fighting the track. You know, if if no one was there to make them pay for their mistakes, they wouldn't have made. Well, sorry, it didn't matter if they made mistakes. Whereas now, if they if they somehow managed to lose, would I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Yes, I mean, even if they win, I mean, as a Toyota fan, it's not until we actually get more competition for them where they actually have another OEM they're racing against, in my opinion. Fair. Then I'll feel like it's legitimized. But honestly, like I, I feel like I have a high hurdle to jump over kind of thing with that personally. So, yeah. Um, but with other people, yeah, I mean, I feel like the way you look at it now is that like, they've got three back to back to back wins, uh, Lamar wins under their belt. So this is, you know, we're, we're touching on potential historic runs with this, you know, this kind of thing. If you just look at it from a historical perspective, but I don't know. I mean, I've just being, you know, having been with them since 2012 and knowing the competition that was there and knowing like just that you had an in and out of different manufacturers running up against them and they kept getting owned by Audi. Um, you know, it set the level like that high because of just 
the level of competition that their competitors displayed before they got there. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, that's what's really missing right now. I feel like still is that we still have, there's still Glickenhaus there, but it's still, it's such a garageista versus huge factory effort kind of thing feel to it. And then the Alpine is just this neutered LMP one that doesn't have the ability to really compete with anything outside of just reliability. You know, it still has that feel of like, Toyota should win this race. Like, there's yeah. not really even a question. Yeah, and, yeah. I, yeah um, I'm trying to make it into a question. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> and that's yeah. and that, but that's the thing. Yeah, like I, I think until we, you know, in two years' time, and then just Jesus, in like four, you know, three years' time from now, yeah, like It'll that will feel more. Yeah, that will make me feel way more tense as a Toyota fan leading up into the race. Just in, even though Toyota will have had the, all this experience you know, leading up to it than it would now, yeah. you know, it's just kind of like, do Toyota beat themselves? Do they have reliability problems? That will mostly be the deciding factor of who actually wins overall the mall. Yeah. So this year still, I, I reckon it's going to be uh, a, a Toyota versus the Alpine in the closing stages. That's what I reckon is going to happen. Interesting. Yeah. Well, LP would have to be leading then in order for that scenario to happen. Well, not necessarily leading, but it just needs to be uh, not behind on pit cycle. If it's if it's on the same pit cycle at that point, then it, they could. We've seen Nikolai Lapia be the fastest car on track at one at some point in every single race this season. So that'll that's going to be my pick. Anyway. Uh, that is the LMH class. There's uh, plenty of intrigue there because they're obviously going to be the ones who are most likely to win overall. Let's talk a little bit about LMP2 class. And I think this has been the most exciting form of motorsport in the last three or four years. I know GT3 exists. I know MotoGP... Well, MotoGP is different. That's bikes and that's crazy. But like, of the of the categories... In, sorry, the series that LMP2 runs in has consistently produced great racing and great competition in its entire run. Uh, so what, what is the point of the LMP2 qu- class, Cookie? If you get, want to give us a, a quick three-sentence, what is the point of LMP2? Go. Well, here, put a timer on me, please, again. You're on. It's the cookie timer. Um, no, I, I... Wait, do we get one of the class the is this? No. Uh, is to offer a pro-am solution to prototype racing at a higher level than uh, i guess gt racing um it slots directly under lmh and had actual pace problems in spa earlier this year with lmh being roughly around the same speed and had to be pretty neutered back in order to be slower than lmh's um these are really really quick prototypes um the original design of the class was to um make it a more easy for uh, teams to be able to jump into prototype racing um, specifically p2 racing at a cheaper level um, because these are mass-produced uh, homologated uh, chassis from four um, prototype manufacturers yeah uh, which basically doesn't exist anymore it's really only just one um, which that's a huge poopy failure which ugh. okay um Let's 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 put that there. Okay, so what what Cookie was just making a point about, what Austin was just saying, is that initially in 2017, this class was 
given a full overhaul from the old 2016 regulations, which were going quite well at the time, not so much beforehand, but at the time they were going quite well, to reduce the class down to a single-spec drivetrain, which has been brilliant, by the way. The Gibson engine has been incredible. And four select chassis. Now, four years down the line... In, if you look down the entry list for the Le Mans 24 Hours in LMP2, we have two chassis, and one of them has literally a single entry. So we've seen a great uh, confirmation, a, a great convergence to the, the correct answer in LMP2, which is effectively the Orica 07. Uh, we've talked extensively previously about why that is, uh, and the problem is one of those problems that once you start getting teams on board, it just means that everyone else needs to get on board to your team or your chassis as well because you have better data, better tire management, etc., etc., etc. Thinking just quickly on LM- LMP217, the 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 uh, decision to go to four manufacturers, how has the experiment worked? I mean, it's been a it's been a complete success when it comes to just the frankly the amount of teams that are here. Like it, 2016 regs were, I, I would agree they're doing fine, but um, they would have never gotten the the amount of potential fields that we've seen with the ELMS and with uh, you know Asian Le Mans series, and then obviously um, at Le Mans two and WEC. I mean, LMP two is probably the strongest category in terms of the strength of the field itself, just the amount of cars for like the last like how many years um so it's exploded um and it's allowed kind of uh it's created an avenue for a lot of teams that wanted to do prototype racing that couldn't really for a while um and then even the inclusion of lmp3 too um and then which has allowed them to move from gt racing over to lmp racing which has then also then allowed people to then rise up and fill the spots in gt racing so i i think it's been a really good hit except for the fact that it's completely eliminated a lot of um, just it's it's it it seemingly eliminated a lot of the diversity of some of the prototypes that we see today yeah. which really stinks because it's it is really not there you know we used to have a completely diverse uh, uh, field of cars and now it's just basically one which yeah. Now I'm just going to do a quick uh, a quick Google. So we 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 know that there have been other chassis that have won ACO racing. So the Orica is the one that has been the the big winner uh, in the um in terms of the the car that people everyone wants to be in. Uh, but we have seen the Ligier win at the hands of United Autosports in the past. We have seen the Dallara win at the hands of SMP Racing in the past. Now, I'm looking specifically at Lamar. Has a non-Orica chassis placed on the podium in the P2 class at Lamar? De- I want to say no. It didn't, it didn't, definitely didn't last year. Okay, we've got, we've got an answer already. In 2018, United Autosports in a Ligier uh, came third, a third in class with Hugo de Sadalia, Will Owen, and Juan Pablo Montoya. They were yep. they were two laps down. Yep. Thank you for that, Alex. So thank you. We've got a live chat going. Thank you for Alex. Uh, twenty one, twenty one, twenty one. But the Delara has not ever had ever had any pace at Le Mans, and the Riley. Let's not talk about the Riley. <laughs> 
the yeah, less yeah. The, yeah. I mean, I don't think the Delara really was ever fully represented. Out, but I mean, the the annoying part though to saying that is that Team Netherland came from a Delara yeah. and they pretty much lit the world on fire in an Areca. Yeah. So and Settler Racing, like... Racing had a Delara and they moved to GT and started winning races. And uh, who else has been in Delara? Uh, High class racing raced the Delara. Now a much more formidable force than an Areca. It's it, it it is it is really weird mm. how successful the post <laughs> other manufacturer LMP2 teams have been after they left uh, their respective either Delara Ligier that kind of stuff absolutely or or they just completely folded uh, uh, yeah. yeah so that entire thing is frustrating but yeah I to answer the first question yes I think. I think it's been successful, and yeah, ACO are going to have a very easy time arguing the same thing. Yeah, I, I think that's fair enough. It would be nice to see more diversity, but that's a discussion for another time. Now, one last thing before we crack, oh, take a quick break before we crack into the entry list. Uh, we have something brand new in the LMP2 class for this year at Le Mans. We've talked about it a bit in our preview podcast for other events, but it's the LMP2 Pro-Am category, the slightly misnamed Pro-Am category, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a sec. Uh, so what, what is the Pro-Am category? Why do we need a Pro-Am category? Um, why do we need a pro a pro am category? Mike? Well, what what so so what what is the point? What is what does the pro am category actually represent? Um, it, it it just represents more of more or less just an extra set of trophies for some of the pure amateur drivers. Yeah, uh, on the list, um, that are like legitimate bronze. Um, it requires basically one of the drivers has to be bronze yeah um, and then the rest can be uh gold or platinum platinum or silver too if you wanted to um but yeah uh it's so it's not where that it's not a uh, the super silver uh effect doesn't really hit this category so this is really more or less the amateurs of the prototype categories that we're gonna be seeing racing at the mall yeah, and, and you touched an important note there. We, we talk uh, every now and then about driver ratings. Well, we talk all the bloody time about driver ratings. Uh, but one thing that we've seen a trend of, especially the last season or two, is that uh, the silver-rated mandate that you're required to run in the LMP2 class, you're required to have a silver-rated driver, which is an amateur driver, uh, a lot of the time will now be, if you want to be competitive, it will be a what's called a super silver, a young up-and-coming professional driver that hasn't hit the gold ranking band yet. Uh, and we'll, when we get through to the entry list, we'll talk a bit more about who we think those super silvers are and what advantage they have. Um, but it is nice that the ACO has brought in a a category specific for the amateur drivers who are the bronze-rated drivers. And on that note, I think it's time we just take a quick break here before we get into the gamut that is the LMP2 entry list. We'll be back in just a moment. If you're following plenty of motorsport series like I do, you've probably run into trouble with calendars, time zone conversions, and most importantly, missing the start of racing you want to watch. That's why I use the Racing Line app. The Racing Line is your customizable motorsport calendar, giving you up-to-date schedules on all the racing you care about with all major motorsport series covered. Use the day or week view to check out what's on and plan for those busy weekends ahead. 
The racing line allows you to set customizable notifications for events, giving you enough time to get yourselves ready for the racing you want to watch, or for me to get the race threads ready. Plus, it's all converted into your local time zone, so there's no getting caught out by bad mental maths or daylight saving changes around the world. Find out more at theracingline.app or search The Racing Line on the iOS store. Thank you to The Racing Line for sponsoring this podcast. And welcome back to the second half of today's episode. We're going through the LMP2 entry list. Uh, what we'll do is we'll give you uh, a bit of an idea of where the drivers have come from, uh, what the the team has been going like, and then at the very end, we'll give you a pick on who we think are going to be the teams to beat. You ready, Cookie? Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll start with the number one, because numbers are meaningless now. Uh, Rickard Mill Racing Team car. This is the very chrome red car. Looks gorgeous. And the driving it, this car is Tatiana Calderon, Sophia Flersch, and Batesca Visser. Now, this is, of course, uh, one of the two all-female entry dri- uh, teams in the grid. The other one is in GTM. Uh, what, what have you, th- your thoughts been on the Richard Mill racing team so far this uh, season and last season? I mean, it's a decent, or uh, it's a quality team. I mean, it's a, it's Signatech, right? Still, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, it's a great team. I, and I think the, the effort's been solid. Um, they just haven't really had a lot of success. We'll say with the, uh, um, I mean, they're they're not in pro am either, so it's just kind of like they're 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 in their own kind of field. But yeah, I I I think if they um, have a good outing at Le Mans, I think maybe even aiming for a top ten. That's a that would probably be their goal leading into this, or top fifteen maybe. Yeah. So um, last year, class. yeah, last year this this team finished ninth. Uh, overall, and they they had a very I don't want to say they had a very un, uneventful day, but like effectively they had a very un, uneventful day. They didn't get into any problems. They didn't get involved in any uh, fracas or any battling. They just ran their own race and finished ninth. So it was actually quite a quite a good result for them in the end. Uh, they've so far had a best result this season of sixth in class at Portimao. Uh, so that you know not striking at the very very top. But what would a good race look like for for the this team yeah i mean i i, I would say getting a top 10 yeah. in class i yeah. i tend to agree I mean, yeah i i i wouldn't read anything into last year in terms of building off of that into doing better i would say that their strategy that they used last year is exactly the same one they should use this year and just come in with the same expectations and the same goals and that's where i think that they probably were aiming last year and that's what they should be doing this year's p10 in class I should say. Yeah, absolutely. I, something that has been really, really great about uh, this team is watching the development of drivers like Sophia Flersch and Tatiana Calderon. Calderon specifically, she came in with a bit of a, a let's say, uh, not, not so much a glowing reputation from her former days, but she's really shown that she has the capabilities of a quality driver uh, and has... Uh, shown a lot of people that uh, shown a lot of people wrong. Truth be told, um, and it's been it's been quite heartwarming to see uh, to see her get the respect that she deserves as a driver. Yeah, I mean, she's been all over the place, uh, doing a lot of Formula Two, Super Formula, did uh, tests for IndyCar. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been good to see um, some of these drivers that have just not been able to stick anywhere. Um, you know, find at least a home. For, you know now in uh, endurance racing and wc racing at lamar so 
um yeah it's it's definitely a it's a it's a good spot on the lmp2 grid to have filled with these drivers and uh the team is world class so i hope uh i i hope to see him in the top 10 in lmp2 it'd be, it'd be, it, would, it would be a great story no matter what absolutely uh speaking of great stories from last year's Le Mans, the number 17 idex sport is the next car on the entry list they're running uh dwight merriman kyle tilly and ryan dl now this is the first of our entries in the pro am class thanks to dwight merriman's bronze rating now idex sport last year they had two cars effectively written off in qualifying uh they spent the whole of friday repairing both cars to start from the pit lane a lap down on the saturday and returned both of those cars to the grid and ended up with a seventh and eleventh place finish so a great story for them uh of the of the pro-am teams what are your thoughts on idex sport this is this is a team I'll, I'll say that <laughs> this is they are a team uh no i look if they if they can put it all together they are they have they are quick and they know how to to i i i would say they know how to win they also know how to lose too kind of thing so um that's kind of how i put it at uh yeah i i'm not entirely like some of these guys are just a little bit, eh, like Kyle Tilly. I know he raced in IMSA a bit. He did some, like, LMP2 um, racing there. Like, he did uh, Asian Le Mans series, I think. He raced there as well. So, mm. like, it's, they're, um, it's like, some of these are just uh, interesting pulls. Um, I, I, is this the uh, Asian Le Mans series? entry no this is uh an entry if you remember correctly this is the entry that uh won the lmp2 class at lamar uh sorry at daytona i think it wasn't last oh right was it this year no, was it this year it was this that? year it was this year yep sorry yeah i was, I was getting that it could uh yeah, different okay yeah no they won this year yeah so, so this is the uh the entry at lamar from that yeah, so quite a, quite a quite a bit of a, a wild team. So Dio, uh, Ryan Dio, Dwight Merriman, and Cartulli race together there. They've all also been racing in the. This is a car that's also been running the uh, European Le Mans series, uh, of which they have a best result of eleventh place. Um, so uh, not stellar results there, uh, and in the uh, Pro Am category as well, uh, quite a fair way down. So, uh, what are your thoughts, hopes, and dreams for for this car in terms of their Le Mans performance? Okay, so plot thickens though. Um, oh, okay. Sorry. Um, the plot <laughs> I was looking at this too. No, no, no. Dwight Merriman is uh, he won Asian Le Mans Series LMP2 AM this year, um, and he also won and uh, at Daytona with Aero Motorsport. So he literally also, he won both the LMP2 AM and Daytona. So wait, I thought LMP2 AM was its own entry for for, f- for no Elon not for the Asian one series because they didn't have enough that, entries because uh, elms had it elms hang on hang on hang on elms had it but uh this isn't an entry from elms this is a entry from they from, yeah they from yeah because they've been competing in the elms that's why they've got this entry not because they want anything so for for, oh, context, for okay, context okay, okay, for gotcha, context gotcha. the LMP2 AM category in the Asian Le Mans series was this car and one gotcha. and one car for another round but it was effectively just this car 
I'll say top fifteen. Top fifteen. So I this is a, is a I'll say top top. Uh, I'll say top five pro am. <laughs> I think this is a solid pro am lineup. I I think not, as, not, as long as they don't great, run into any but... problems, they'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because there's, there's there's bronze gold gold and there's like bronze platinum golds down there that should probably do better but it, yeah. it's a solid lineup yeah like keep on the road fellas <laughs> top 30 top 30 yes <laughs> 30 30th in a 25 car class thank you alex uh <laughs> car number 20 this is the second of our full season wec entries this is the high class racing car uh this is the car driven by dennis anderson so he's a bronze rated driver so that'll be another pro-am category car and he has with him marco Sorensen and ricky taylor as a honorary dane for the day uh ricky taylor he's uh running a uh is it him or jordan i think it's jordan sorry that's an entirely different conversation uh highlights racing very proud of their danish heritage um in terms of their two cars uh Dennis Anderson, what do you, how do you reckon he's been, he has been as a bronze? Uh, I, I, I don't want to say he's been like stellar, but he's been, he's been good. Um, I'm trying to remember his stints at, uh, like at Daytona. Um, if anything was like stand out, I don't think he had any spins or anything, uh, like that to note. So I think he kind of mostly keeps it on track, but, Mm. um, yeah, beyond that, I you know I don't have a ton of info on Dennis Anderson. I do know yeah. more about the other two though. So so let's I, talk- I don't know. I, I haven't seen any any of Dennis's highlight reels or any of his low light reels, so I can't really comment for sure. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, let's talk then about the two drivers he's paired with, and these should be two drivers that everyone is familiar with. Ricky Taylor, of course, from the U.S. Uh, driving uh, has been. Driving what is he driving the Acura now? It's hard to keep track. Uh, yes, yeah, I believe he is still he is racing for uh his his dad now, right? He's back at uh. I don't know. I I'll be I honest. Don't. I haven't seen a IMSA race this year. Uh, we got Alex yeah, saying that yeah. is indeed ac- ac- accurate. Thank you, Alex. Uh, 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 and bum, Marco bum. Sor- Marco Sorensen, a refugee from the uh. Dane Train in the Aston Martin uh, after they cro- closed their programs. Both platinum drivers, both quality drivers. Uh, will they be enough to carry to carry uh, Dennis to a Pro Am victory? Uh, I think they are definitely good enough. This is this is one to watch. I would say it would, it's podium quality for Pro Am uh, category in LMP2 for sure. Absolutely. I reckon of the, because there's what, there's 10 Pro-Am cars. This is certainly one of the three best. Yeah, it's certainly one of them, for sure. Uh, Next car on the entry list is another Pro-Am entry. We've hit three very early on here. The number 21, Dragon Speed USA. So this is a mainstay in uh, ACO competition. Uh, This car has Heinrich Hedman as the bronze driver, uh, Ben Hanley, his longtime co-driver, and Juan Pablo Montoya as the third driver. Dragon Speed have had a habit of just getting an American star in the car for their their competition. So uh, it's pretty cool to see JPM back at Lamar once again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Nicholas Lapierre, another American star. Uh, Juan Pablo Montoya uh, is certainly another American star. So they they, they know how to f- to to film. Wait, you did know, you say uh, Nicola Lapierre is an American star? 
Well, you were saying Juan Pablo Montoya is an American star, which I mean. Well, he's a, he's 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 he races he, he predominantly made, in he America. He made his stardom in America. I don't know. I was I would say this Formula One stint is pretty recognized. But you're yeah, right. I, I think maybe IndyCar and all that other stuff. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but yeah, well, I, I remember they had uh, Lapierre in here before Montoya, right? Uh, that was that was prior to. Uh, that was a few seasons ago now. Um, yeah, now a few seasons ago. But... Yeah, so w- w- this car has had, so far, Ricky Taylor in it. It's had Gustavo Menezes in it. And now it's got Montoya yep. for the um, for the uh, Le Mans round. Um, Heinrich Hedman he has raced in LMP1 previously. Remember his stint in the, yep. the BR1 Delara. Um how do we rate his progress as a as a bronze driver? Because he he's had some great moments, he's had some some not good moments. But well, nice. how do we rate uh, rate his progress? Uh, he's a bronze driver. <laughs> That's how we rate him. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I will say though, he looks m- certainly much more comfortable in a LMP2 car than he did in the LMP1. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think just the. And that's, I think, then a case to be made for LMP3 as to why that exists is that just the slower speeds, it just helps guys that are getting older and just don't have the skill set or just the experience to feel comfortable in something that quick. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think just the, the slower speeds are definitely going to make him feel a little more comfortable. And just being um, in an Areca, uh, it's just a really yeah. stable car, it sounds like. And um, in, in any kind of weather, in any kind of condition or just setup, it just kind of wants to not kill you so that's a really good trait to have in a race car so it's just that's what seems to be very positive and, and endearing to a lot of the am drivers yeah uh and let's not forget uh headman is a aco race winner he's won a lmp2 race in the european le mans series in the dragon speed car so uh he we do we do meme on headman a little bit he is he is a a, a bit slow but he's certainly still got enough quality around him to, to carry him over the line. Yeah, like, I mean, but there's a genuine question. If if this car is going to have any contact, is it going to be because of Heinrich, uh, uh, Hedrick Hedman or uh, Juan Pablo Montoya? <laughs> that's, and, uh, I think that's, that's an, an even that's an answer. even call there. Uh, or, or, I mean, that's almost easy to just... I, I know what money I'd put on it, so... Go on, uh, how much? How much? Not... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 meant, I, I meant I knew which one, not... Oh, okay, one. okay. <laughs> probably, not that risky yet. It's probably Montoya, let's be real. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'll just chop somebody off. Uh, anyway, okay. sorry. Uh, what, how like do we rate the that chances? One. Um, I think these guys will do all right. All right? They'll do all right. Uh, ben Hanley's great, um, and Juan, Juan Montoya, as long as he doesn't have any too, too many crazy stuff going on, like they should be quality. Um, I don't think that they, the car will have set up pace just because of Hedman in the car to compete for just the overall class. But I think that they will be top five pro-am. Okay. That's, that's pretty good. That That's a, that's, oh, they're in the top half of their field then, which is, which is a good start. Uh, yep. Now we get into one of the big players of the game. This is the number 22 United, United Autosports Orica. Now this has previous super silver Philip Hansen uh, in the uh, in the lineup. He's now a gold. Uh, it's also got a previous Audi LMP1 driver, Felipe Albuquerque. Uh, and they are joined by the silver driver, Fabio Scherer. Now this is the car that won last year, the entry that won last year. Uh, and this uh, that 
car also had Phil Hansen and Felipe Albuquerque, but that was when Hansen was a silver driver, so their third driver that year was Paul DeResta, who was another platinum. With Hansen getting upgraded and a new bronze, uh, sorry, a new silver behind the wheel, do they still have the same overwhelming pace that they did last year? I'm going to say no. So, so why is that? Explain, explain it to me. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I have yet to see really, well, I mean, not, I, I don't want to say that. I've definitely seen Phil Hansen really step up and put in some hero stints, but I don't remember last year's if he did anything really spectacular in that car because he he's gonna need to be more of an anchor than he's he's ever had to be so he he did do the last in uh and hold off a charging alex davison for that that win yeah yeah uh okay well i i don't know we'll see um there could just especially with the new driver too it could be a, a little difficult to kind of mesh with them as well mm. i don't know i'm i'm hesitant to say that all is well and that they'll do very you know the same exact you know same amount of success they did last year um but it is united autosport they definitely have the tools to do it so um and speaking of but yeah the tools i don't know to- i think it's I, I think it's a change up that might not fully allow them to win back to back okay i'll say that well let's uh, how about i add a little bit of context for you so far this year out of the three races we've had in the wc they've won two of them that's pretty terrifying right especially when we start co- going through some of the other drivers in this field and looking at how how strong they are despite yeah, yeah. despite hansen stepping up he has actually filled the role of a gold very very well normally that transition trips a lot of people up like we've seen uh, a few gtm drivers once they get upgraded beyond that silver ranking really start to struggle but hansen seems to have taken to it like a duck to water okay all right <laughs> you don't sound very no, confident i'm i know because there's there's so many different well because they have two other united sport uh or united sport united autosport entries that are coming up that we're going to talk about as well yeah and they could easily have you know you you could make a case for them as well maybe not the 32 but definitely the 22 and i just i, I feel like united autosport are on a whole other level like granted they have great driver lineups and i'm not denying that but i think that just all of the other stuff in that team right now is on is just like a league above everybody else and so i feel like if anything if if lmp2 is going to come down to anything right now it's going to be how well does united autosport stack against other people and it's basically like is united autosport versus the field and mm. if it's going to be the field who is it going to be out of the field okay it's actually like you know, be like, oh wow, they're they're twenty seconds ahead of the twenty two and twenty one. That's crazy. Like, I don't know who that's going to be. Genuinely, I have no idea who that's going to be. But I feel like that's the storyline that that will be this year at Le Mans. It's just who, if anybody steps up to compete with United Autosport. Okay, that's I. I think that is a fair fair assessment. So so twenty two is their full time WEC car. The next car on the entry list is the number 23, which is also United Autosports. Now, this one has Paul DeResta in it as the rain, one of the reigning race winners. It also has a refugee of the uh, Aston Martin program, Alex Lynn, who started yep. out in... Pro- uh, did he start out in IndyCar, then move to prototypes? Uh, anyway, I, hey, I, I, I know he's done... feeders. 
that kind of stuff, Formula okay. One feeder stuff. Yeah, so so it certainly has uh, prototype experience. Uh, and then Wayne Boyd uh, as the silver. Now, Wayne's done a decent job um, throughout the uh, ELMS campaign. Now, this because this car has uh, is one of the ELMS runners, um, uh, but this car hasn't yet taken a win in uh, ELMS. Uh, oh, no, hang on. Wayne Boyd, he's actually stepping up from LMP3 uh, into the uh, number 23 car. So uh, let's uh, just have a quick look at the LMP3 results. Uh, yeah, that, so that's that still holds true. He hasn't taken a win yet in the ELMS season. That's a big step up to go as the AM in the LMP3 car to the AM in the LMP2 car alongside two Platinums. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to definitely be up to him to see how far this car gets um in comparison to its sister car the 22 um i like i said i think this is gonna you know outpace the 32 united autosport entry um but yeah it, it it'll be it'll remains to be seen whether or not this car is um going to have an overall pace that is going to be comparable to the 23 just for uh, 22 excuse me just from the standpoint that um no, Fabio uh, Fabio just seemingly looks better. He just looks yeah. like he's more comfortable in the car right now. So, um, but again, it's twenty four hours. So if Wayne Boyd settles in in a practice session, qualifying, kind of figures that out and puts in some decent stints, he doesn't need to be in the car terribly long. And we can see some hero stints from Paul DeResta and Alex Lynn easily. That puts this car right up there too with twenty two, or at least way out ahead. So yeah. I just think the United Autosport factor is if it says that on the side of the car there's at least like an extra 20 horsepower right now for it so that's that's certainly what it feels like uh we'll leave united autosports there for now we'll return to them later a bit further down the entry list but we'll look at the pr1 matthias and motorsports machine the number 24 uh the car based out of the usa entries Uh, this has it's another pro-am car as well because it has patrick kelly as the bronze rated driver uh and then gabriel albury and simon trommer Nothing about that car really screams pace and contention uh, to me, Cookie. No. no, yeah. I mean, I, I think for them, you know, shooting top 20, top 5 in Pro-Am is probably the goal. I mean, Simon Trimmer, he, you know, he knows how to wheel a car, um, you know, racing everything, GP2, WC with Lotus. I mean, he's done, you know, they, they were around back in LP1, LP2, weird kind of hybrid days before they split it up and all that stuff. He's done a ton, ton of stuff at JDC Miller. So um, a lot of these guys are kind of like ex uh, IMSA prototype uh, stalwarts. So, uh, but yeah, I, I that's probably where I'll put this at. I'll yeah. say, yeah, top, top 20. Top 20 in a 25 car uh, class. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And, and and like that's that's certainly certainly fine. So something we kind of forgot to mention at the top of this uh this entry list is that different teams will have different goals. You know, for the United Autosports it might be a, a victory in class, but for, you know, the Richard Mill racing teams a top 10 is an admirable goal. For for some people even getting to the grid, even getting to the finish is their goal. And I think for for Patrick Kelly getting to the finish of this race would be a massive achievement. So that I I think for them coming across from the US that would be what they're aiming for. Yep. I I mean if hey if 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 I was somehow in that crazy position 
that's exactly how I would be. Just finish the race. I mean, if you're finishing the race, you're probably going to be easy, uh, you know, halfway up in your class. Yeah. Most likely. That, um, that would be the dream. Yep. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I wouldn't now, be one to name for anything higher than that. Well, I mean, that's that's a great starting point. Once you get once you get onto that rung, then the rung, then you can start looking at climbing up the ladder. I think. Yep. Yep. Uh, speaking of a team that's climbed up the ladder, uh, the the other evil empire, the G Drive Racing Machines. Now these are listed on the entry list as, as Aurus O Ones, but they are re- rebadged Orica. O, uh, O7s. Uh, they've got the 25 and the 26. So let's talk about the 25 car first now, because this is a car that is more akin to the uh, Algarve Pro Racing Team's cars of years past because G-Drive is run by Algarve Pro Racing. So this car has uh, the bronze of John Falb, who is, I think, the, the money man behind Algarve Pro, or at least the one spending the money uh, to race as Algarve Pro. Uh, and then a platinum in the form of Roberto Meri, a former F1 driver, and then Rui Andrada, who we saw in the Asian Le Mans series earlier this year, uh, who's got a quick turn of pace. Now, uh, this is this is a team uh, Algarve Pro that has been making strides towards uh, better things, and I think having uh, that G Drive partnership will certainly start to elevate them a bit further up the field. But uh, Based on their performances in the Asian Le Mans series and the European Le Mans series, what do you reckon is is a good target for the twenty five team, the the Pro Am team? Uh, it's G Drive, so they've got a capable craft under them. Um, so I would say for them, like they should be aiming for podium and Pro Am, um, yeah, for sure. Like they, you know, they they know the targets that they have to beat, and really for them, um, it's it's kind of half one one uh monitor uh screen is looking at that and then the other one's looking at just regular lmp2 overall category because i think that they easy they they can put a top 10 effort in no doubt um if they just have a clean race it's kind of just like how the ladies had last year um their clean race too and managed to finish ninth so i think that that would probably be the same strategy that they these guys would want to have too because i mean roberto mary and uh and rui uh andrade is fantastic they're both really good drivers so um just how far uh john fob can carry them so well this car actually came home with a third place uh at the red bull ring and that crazy red bull ring a ring race yeah, that uh, at the nuts. european le mans series nuts oh absolutely <laughs> one of my favorite favorite uh prototype or just endurance races in the last like five years. Absolutely, that's certainly up there. And if you haven't uh, haven't watched that race yet, stop stop this podcast. Stop whatever you're doing. Go watch the European Le Mans race at the at the Red Bull Ring for 2021, and then come back to this and finish it off because uh, that that has been one of the races of the season. So a third place in that race is uh, nothing to to stick your nose up at. Um, so Fal was certainly going to be. Uh, the limiting factor of that car, but it's not too low. Well, sorry, it's not that bad a limit. That's where I'm going to go with that. Um, the 26 car, though, this is going to be the one, the G-Drive car with the eyes on it. Uh, the RSO one with the silver driver, Franco Colapinto, uh, gold Raider driver, the money man behind, the Mr. G-Drive, uh, Roman Rusinov, or at least the person bringing the Gazprom sponsorship to the racing team, uh, and the platinum rated driver, Nick DeFries, as their uh, third driver. Uh, remember how we were talking about Super Silvers earlier, Cookie? Yeah. How the heck 
have G Drive done it again, where they found a unknown Silver Raider driver that is at least as fast as most of the golds, possibly even most of the platinums, and just put them in the car. This Franco Colapinto guy is incredible, and he's still a kid. He's seventeen. Yeah, well, I mean, look, they 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 probably were scouting him back when he was racing F four, and then he started doing F three. Um, you know, you know, doing some testing for them too. So relatively unknown, and he's he's just probably old enough, and he's got enough sponsorship backing, financial backing, either from family or like I said, sponsorships. And boom, bada bing. I mean, like it's easy to find super silvers. They're all you know, like there is that driver rating, and if they all ha- are deemed to be like they don't have enough experience technically, they just haven't lived long enough to rate anything other other otherwise. Like. No, they're gonna. They're easily gonna be able to fit into G Drive for a year or two, and then move on to something else. Like, their G Drive is very good at it. <laughs> and, and, and part of, part of the reason for that is that because Roman Rusinov, who brings the money to the team, is a gold rated driver, it means that they don't need a AM driver to fund the team because they already have one of their professional drivers who's doing the funding for it. So they can, they do have the luxury of just finding, hey, Job Van Oyter, yep, let's grab him, he's going to be great. Gustavo Menezes, yep, we'll grab, I think it was Menezes, uh, he might have been an Alpine project, but you know, Andrea Pizzatola, oh, you know, yep, yeah, we'll pick him up and we'll get yeah, him to run. It's not a problem, it's, it's just, it's whether or not they they will have the pace, they look quick enough, and you know, they, they can work with the team, that kind of thing. It's just, there's so many different avenues to pick from. And I think that's what you're seeing now is that like endurance racing is getting to that point where you can poach from certain drivers or whatnot, or, or have them take a slightly different route and they can still end up back in open seater racing. They can still end up back in touring cars, whatever. Um, but they can get plucked for a couple of years and do this, get some exposure that way. And then, you know, maybe they do stay on for longer. So yeah. I think that's that's a really interesting thing that we just continuously see with G Drive more than anybody else. Uh how do you rate their chances? Well Well <laughs> Top yeah, five well? Um I yeah I would, I would say I would say top five. Top no, five? I, I don't I'm not saying podium with this guess. No. Okay. I I tend to agree. I and I wanna see why you think that. Because on paper Franco Colapinto, Nick DeFries, and Roman Rusinov. That is a race-winning team. Yeah, but there's better drivers than Rusinov out there. So that, as as the number two, he's 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 a good driver, but I don't think that he's he's a number two caliber driver. I think he's like two point five. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair enough. That that's one problem. They they did take a have taken a race win already this season at Le Castellet uh, in the European Le Mans series. But I, I want to raise another point here. Uh, we have seen instances this season of G-Drive Racing of uh, who were run by Algarve uh, showing that they are not a as well drilled as the likes of United Auto Sports or Jota or WRT, which we'll talk about later. The particularly in Barcelona when they had within a minute two penalties and then a pit stop drama that just kept going on. Uh, we, we have seen that the team behind the, the curtain, so to speak, is, isn't quite up to that sort of level. Uh, and I think that'll be enough for them to fall out of winning contention. Um, yeah. Yeah. For the race. Hmm. That's my thoughts. Okay. 
right. We'll see. Because well, we they're, they're certainly not. They're certainly uh, Algarve. As 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 good as Algarve is, right? Algarve Pro Racing. They are a a, a smaller team, a, a family kind of team, right? They're not Signatech. They're not United Autosports. They're not WRT. You know, they don't have that same sort of incredible robotic mentality behind it. So I think that's going to be to their detriment at Le Mans. Correct. Especially if they make mistakes. And they have shown <laughs> that they make mistakes. Yeah, but it's Le Mans. And yeah. we'll, see. We'll, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, yeah, it's Rusinov, so he could immediately run in the back of the oh, Porsche. Don't and... remind me that 2018 race. Oh, 2018, 2019. Whatever year. I'm still not over that. I'm still not over that. Got nah, moving on. Number 28. Joda, Joda Sport, great British team, returning to proper, uh, well, I mean, not re- returning to proper, they're just back at Lamar properly with their two-car team, no Jackie Chan DC involvement this time around. Uh, they have, in the number 28, Sean Galeo, Stoffel Van Dorn, and Tom Blomquist. Now, yeah, um, d- dumb. This is dumb. This I mean, is dumb? This, I mean, it's dumb. Like, it's dumb. You know, why, why do we talk about anybody else at this point? Just ended at 28. Nah, well, I mean, because... There's the the other Jota car to start with, and there's also Team WRT that we've got to get to, and there's also High Class Racing, the other High Class Racing car, and, and you know th- we we still got to do this. But I will. Yeah, but I mean, oh my god, dude, this is. So yeah, so you you have in this car uh, a former Formula One driver, a former uh, BMW factory driver, and a former F1 feeder series driver. Who's the amateur? Yeah, who is the am? Like, <laughs> like as soon as I saw Silver Shangalay, I'm like, it's over. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. They have the best driver lineup, I think, in, Ooh. in the field right now. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. It's just whether or not they uh, they've got the pace with the car. See, I I don't agree. I don't agree that this is the best driver lineup. I think I think Blomquist is slower than his platinum rating. Uh, I, I and and he's more prone to incident than his platinum rating suggests. We saw him run into the Alpine at Spa, going up Eau Rouge, which was mental. Uh, and they weren't super. Yeah. Quick. He, he wasn't super quick in the Asian Le Mans series races either. Galeel, he's a bit of a, a a a in the Asian Le Mans series. He was a. a a bit of an unknown quantity, not not unknown quantity, but he was very mistake prone and accident prone. He's fixed that up so far this uh, the WEC season, um, but still they've they've had good results, uh, you know, with a win and a second place. But like, oh sorry, a second and a third rather in that car. But I don't, I as as good as the drivers are on paper, I don't think it's it's uh, a full package. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Bloomquist has got a pole this year um, in LMP2 mm. already. So he's definitely quick. It's not like he has not been quick. No. He's just, yeah, he's had he's had just some shaky moments, but I don't know, man. But if it's, I, if it's gotta... Le Mans, you don't, you, you don't want shaky moments at Le Mans. That's the thing. Correct. Yes. Yes. That is, that's correct. But the other drivers, too, are just magnifique. They're good. Yeah, so. Van Dorn is a previous overall podium sitter at Le Mans as well, just uh, as a sidebar uh, in the um, in the yeah. BL1, the S&P, if I recall correctly. Yeah, Galeel's had some shaky uh, entrance into endurance racing a little bit with his Asian Le Mans series uh, entries, but 
he's very very fast. This so, is true. Yeah, yeah. So I think be, be, I, I think best of the rest. Like obviously we'll talk about WRT and then the other Jota, but this is a very good lineup. Very good. Party? Uh, I'll say no. I'll say fourth. War. Whoa, okay, okay. Uh, here's a here's a, maybe an outside shot in an overall podium. The Racing Team Netherlands number 29 car. Now, this is racing in Pro-Am, but I say it's an outside shot of the podium, uh, for, uh, and, you, and you'll see why. So, firstly, we have the bronze, Fritz van Erd. Now, he started in, in the Dallara, and it looked like it was a bit of a shit show. But now that he's in the Orica, he looks like a serious driver. He, he looks as quick yep. as some of the better silvers. And he's held off pro drivers uh, for, for for stints uh, in in that car as a bronze. So keep your eyes out for Fritz. Uh, he's certainly not uh, not slow behind the wheel. Then you get into the pro drivers. So firstly, you have Guido Vandergaarder, who as a as a pro driver in the Dallara was doing incredible things. I still remember that one stint at Spa-Francorchamps where he started the race and was 50, 60 seconds up the road before handing the Dallara over. So he is incredible yep. uh, to start with. And then Jov van Oeter, one of the most promising young drivers in the whole gamut of uh, prototype drivers at the moment. He's now a, a gold-rated driver, but... He's, he's could be a platinum for all I care. He he is a fantastic driver and set the fastest lap of the race in last year's Le Mans at the in the P two class. So if that doesn't scream outside shot at a podium as a as a friggin' pro am team, I don't know yeah. how how you can get there. Yeah, easy easy uh, podium uh, goal for them for pro am like by I, far away. They their their aspirations are just win win pro am easy and try to go go for uh, LMP two honors. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, 29 has, has shown, has, you know, and that, and again, that's where we talk about too, with the LMP2 chassis, you know, argument is that it's just shocking sometimes, um, seeing X Ligier and X LMP2 runners switch to Areca and just set the world on fire, literally with how good their pace is. And that was one of the shocking things too, for me was just seeing how quick, um, you know, Team Netherland was after switching, like yeah. just insane pace from all of their drivers. Because so. they they were a, a team that would loiter in the back half of the field, and then once they got into an Orica, they came, uh, they they got a podium. They almost came second in their first race in an Orica, and then two races later, they'd won the class at Fuji. So it, it just goes to show, yeah, the the sort of comparison between the the different sort of chassis. Mm-hmm. Uh, their results this year have been not not incredible, unfortunately. They've taken a fourth at Spa and then a third at Monza. But they had that uh, Portimao race in the middle, which was a bit of a shocker for them. Uh, a fourth and a third is the Pro Am uh, outing, though. That's that's pretty impressive. That is, yeah, that's that's impressive so far. Um, and well, yeah, I I I it, it's definitely a quick entry that i absolutely love to support so i think everyone names. loves supporting any any big car with a in a in a wacky color with massive sponsors on the side that gets everyone's support and oh yeah 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 jumbo 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 baby let's go <laughs> everyone on board the jumbo machine uh yeah so so look out for them i'm i'm saying an overall top five for them for p2 yeah yeah 
I if, could definitely see it. If they don't run into a, say, if they don't run into a water pump problem on lap one again, they they they're, they're going to be in the, in for a top five. Yeah, um, I will say this one is probably going to maybe win the class LMP LMP two pro am. Yeah, I I would agree with that as well. I think there's only one other team that stands a chance. I reckon that's my call. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Dragon Speed's got got a shot if they have a really good race, which I just don't see them being able to really put in the same equivalent effort as twenty nine, or maybe maybe twenty five. We'll, we'll, well, when we get down down there, we'll we'll have a bit of a chat about it. Anyway, twenty nine. Put a put a bookmark on it. That'll be ones to watch. Uh, number thirty, the Duquesne team uh, is being run. With Rene Binder as a silver driver, Memo Rojas uh, downgraded to a gold uh, as he's starting to get a little g- old, uh, um, and Tristan Gomedy as the platinum. Now, Tristan Gomedy, if I recall correctly, was racing in P1 recently. Was he in the Rebellions last year? Uh, or am I Tristan just making Gomedy. that up? Um, no, I don't think you're making it up. No, he, he wasn't a Duquesne car last year, so I was just making it up. Anyway, uh, Duquesne Engineering. Now, they've taken over, of course, one of the P3 uh, chassis as well. So, it's now a DKR chassis, not a, a not a normal. How, how have we seen their racing results, uh, as, a, as an aside? Pretty good, actually, I think, right? Not too bad. Let's have a look. They, they've had they've had patches. They've had patches where they've been strong and patches where they haven't been strong. The last two races for them, actually, at Le Castellet and at Monza, uh, a fourth and a fifth place in the European Le Mans series, and that's definitely nothing to to um, put your nose up at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, when they acquired, I can't remember which team that they acquired, basically, to come in LMP2, this is before they had the LMP3 contract or basically as a manufacturer, um, they definitely came in at just and immediately step up to the plate against G-Drive because I think at the time G-Drive was just walking away with everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that was definitely interesting to see just how quickly on the pace that team arrived. But then it's been a little bit spotty after that first year. They've just kind of had some pace woes. Um, I, I think it's been more driver kind of related stuff for them. But um, yeah, I I wouldn't mind seeing Duquesne win. But yeah, the lineup this year is pretty good but i don't know i i I am a fan of bender though he's not terrible (laughs) former (laughs) former uh by collars driver rene bender yep we i would have thought you would had more more of a support for memo rojas uh after he his race in racing in the um imsa championship no because i wasn't memo rojas like more well a lot of his stuff was because he had tons of sponsorship. Yeah, okay. So, like, for me, it's like, yes, he's he's good, but he, he's also there. He's just also present in a lot of different stuff in, in order to be, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, he, fair He's enough. good. Don't get me wrong. But, like, there's, there's definitely an amount of it where I'm like, yeah, but you just, literally, you were, like, riding this huge financial wave everywhere in motorsport for, like, 20 years. Fair, so, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what, what do you reckon say as a as a goal for this team, uh, Duquesne? What do you reckon they would be happy um, with? Top ten in uh, MP two. Top ten. I I reckon that's a pretty astute a judgment of of their yep. car. 
Yeah. Uh, a team that's got higher aspirations than that, and for great reason, is Team WRT. They're number 31. This is their full season entry, and boy, WRT has hit the P2 category with an absolute sledgehammer, not just a sledgehammer, Thor's hammer. Uh, this year for their two-car effort, we'll talk about the 31 first, uh, it features the silver driver Charles Malesi, who was a breakout driver last year for Graf, who just absolutely held his own against some of the pro drivers in that middle part of the race. Uh, their goal, One of their pros is Ferdinand Habsburg, who raced in the Asian Le Mans series for G-Drive and did quite a good job. And Robin Freins, uh, stepping over from the G Audi program run by WRT to their WEC full season car. What a scary, 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 scary team. Yeah, as the attack of the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're not even, they're not German, they're, not they're even, Belgian. They're not even German, they're Belgian. Oh yeah. my God, you just offended like an entire country's worth well, of people. Because because I ultimately feel like this is Audi, you know, like this is this is all of this is what's going to be Audi in oh, the next like, couple of years. Absolutely, like when Audi, this is an is it an audition or is this a preparation for Audi? This is uh, this one thousand percent is a preparation. Yeah, like if WRT does not have anything to do with the new Audi effort, like I will be, I will be genuinely shocked. Because uh, all all these drivers are absolutely fit to be uh, potentially to be uh, Audi factory drivers, like well, that's well, I, that that yeah yeah certainly Freins. Well, he's already there. Uh, Habsburg, yeah. he's he's put in a lot of good steps in the last year or so to be a, a proper LMP2 pro driver. And Charles Malesi, I just want to talk a bit about Charles Malesi. I was yeah. so unsure about him last year, but after tracking the LMP2 race, especially the second half of the LMP2 race, and just seeing how good he did, how much he held his own against the likes of uh, the, you know, Antonio Felix da Costa and the uh, Alex Brundle and you know, Felipe Albuquerque, those guys and being in the mix and being there, it absolutely blew me away. So uh, certainly he's been one to watch as well. Yeah, I mean, he's super young, super young. I mean, I think he's 19. He started racing, yeah, perf- yeah, like work his way up through for his career, like uh, F4 in 2017. Went into Japanese F3 2019, Super Formula 2020. And then, yeah, did, uh, was race for Graf, uh, in, uh, yeah, with 2020 last year, um, in, uh, 24 hours in the law. So, like, yeah, he's kind of almost come out of nowhere and has done unbelievably well for WRT. Like, mm. absolutely. Look- I mean, just really done well for them. So yeah, already already in their debut season in the WEC, they've got a fourth place at Portimao and a second place at Monza. They were positioned well at Spa before a technical issue dropped them down the order. Do we see this car from Team WRT with aspirations for the podium? Yes. Do we see them? Do we see this team meeting those aspirations? Uh, no, no. Okay. Oh, oh, we're running a bit out of time, so we'll put a pin in that, and we'll come back to that later when we round up the discussion. This episode of Endurance Chat is brought to you by the Racing Line. The Racing Line is a motorsport calendar and notification app for iPhone and iPad. 
and includes all major series, with more being added all the time, giving you a daily and weekly list of races so you can easily see what's coming up. All events are converted to your local time zone, so you no longer have to faff around adding or taking away hours to work out start times. Finally, it also lets you customize notifications for events, so you can choose when you're notified about a certain race series. The app is available on the iOS App Store, coming soon to Android. Just search for The Racing Line. Find out more at www.theracingline.app. Here is another one of the big cars in the field, though. The third car for United Autosports, number 32. Uh, This is their sort of additional car, because if you weren't aware, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, United Autosports technically won six automatic invites to the Le Mans 24 Hours. Uh, By the regulations, they were only allowed to fill, I think, four, but they've gone with three. And so this is the sort of development car. So it has uh, Manuel Maldonado, yes, related to that Maldonado, Pastor Maldonado. Uh, I think it's his nephew or cousin or something along those lines. Anyway, so he's he's the silver, and he did a very, very good job in the, the P3 class of the uh, Asian Le Mans series. Uh, and he's joined by Nicolas Jamin and Jonathan Aberdeen, a South African driver, both rated gold. Of the three United Autosports cars, where do you reckon this one ranks? Third behind the other two. Third behind the other two? Any, yep. like, is there any competition in that at all? Or, it's, or yeah? I, I mean, yeah, I... It's not. It's not like it's distant, but I would say it's it's third. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. I think this is the the development car for for United Autosports. You know, uh, Manuel Maldonado. He's coming through the ranks. He's one to watch. Yeah, he's one to watch. He's quick. I, w- I was very surprised actually by his pace in the LMP3 cars in the Asian Le Mans series. He he very much held his own. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying and... to figure out where Nicolas Jamin comes from because I that's a name I recognize. I'm trying to find it on my entry list from last year. Well, he's French. So it could be literally <laughs> anyone. No, he came from the U.S. side, um, did some Pro Mazda racing for Wayne Taylor Racing 2016, uh, Indy Lights with Andretti Autosport, did some F2000, US F2000, I should say. Um, and then he also was in Block Pain, because uh, I remember him being in there too. But he's also raced a lot in the European Le Mans series. Raced for Duquesne 2018, 2019. Ah, there we go. And then... United Autosports last year, 2021. There we go. There we go. All right. So that's that's where these guys come from. Now, for, for this team, as the development team, what do you reckon their aspirations will be? Um, they're Yeah, they, I think they're going to want to do um, top half of the P2 field. So, you know, 12th place and up. I think that's where they're going to try to aim for. But I think just with how competitive that is too. And I mean, they've got two golds. If, if they put a decent stint in, they could definitely get top 10 so i wouldn't be surprised to see them in the top 10 at the end of the day but yeah. i i just I, I think it's the third best united you know, Autosport entry i i tend to agree i reckon if they beat one of their teammates they will be happy with that i reckon that, that that'll be their goal yep uh another now here here we get into another one of the big players uh, sorry, we'll, we'll we'll put a pin in that. Uh, a, a team that has massively improved, once again showing that the transition to an Orica chassis just makes everything better. Uh, into Europol competition, the Polish team, the Bakers, uh, with the uh, uh, with the man 
bringing the money to the team, Jakub Schmaikowski as the silver rated driver, and then two golds as their pros, but two very, very good golds at that. Uh, Renga van der Zander and Alex Brundle. That has been a team that has astounded me this year because coming from where they were in the Ligier and the European Le Mans series with the drivers they had, they were a, a team making up the numbers, so to speak. But now, with these drivers, with this chassis, they have been putting in some incredible results uh, for uh, through the WEC, uh, so much so they've taken three top fives in their races so far this season. Yeah, that has been a complete surprise uh, for a lot of the early part of this season this year. Um, and definitely not anything that I thought was going to be, uh, you know, like that was a possibility to start. So but very pleasantly surprised. And honestly, because of that, I'm like, I think their goal too is top 10, you know, obviously top half of P2. Um, they got a shot. Uh, they definitely have a shot for podium. And it really will just depend on uh, Jakob's pace as well as how uh, Ranger Van de Zanda and Alex Brundle just put in um, those hero stints that they need to to keep that car, you know, higher up in the field because they both of them are extremely good drivers. So mm, absolutely, um, but the, I, they haven't really shown, you know, like top class pace um, for P two, but they definitely have been very competitive and have put in like solid work. Um, so. Yeah, I would, I would say top 10. That's a good goal for him. I, I reckon they'd be disappointed to finish just in the top 10. I reckon they'd be looking for the top half, the top 10. And, and just for a bit of context, while they were running the Ligier in, uh, in the European Le Mans series, their best result was uh, seventh place at Le Castellet at the beginning of 2020. And that is uh, two seasons in the Ligier. Um, so it's certainly, they certainly take taken a massive step up, uh, in sourcing drivers and sourcing equipment that is going to give them the best chance and like three, three top fives already. Uh, it's, it's a pretty, pretty good start for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, as I said, I think they would be disappointed with just making up the top 10, uh, a team that would definitely be disappointed with just making up the top 10. Last year's second place card, the Mighty 38 for Yoda Sport, uh, Joda Sport rather, uh, featuring Roberto Gonzalez, Antonio Felix da Costa, and Anthony Davison. This is a driver lineup that's been st- together for three or four seasons now. It's a proven driver lineup, a proven team, and a team that is searching for their first Le Mans win in a little while, actually. The last time Yoda won Le Mans was back in 2014 or something along those lines. So they, they're hungry for a victory. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, the driver lineup is fantastic. Uh, Roberto Gonzalez um, is, is is a good enough silver, um, really, to kind of... It, it's almost... It's almost unjust calling him a silver because he's just that good as as a as an actual amateur driver not as a super silver he is just that good yeah and he's 45 yeah like that that's the crazy part about it too and then obviously like you know nothing you know nothing can be said about felix costa already has been said already and then anthony davison as well i mean this is a fantastic lineup i mean they're definitely have podium aspirations easily and they've they've taken a second place and a win so far this season. They actually retired at Monza. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what the issue was for them, but I believe I, 
I recall them slowing down to the side of the racetrack. Radiator problems we've got in the chat. Thank you very much. Uh, so they they should really be up leading the WEC LMP2 championship uh, were it not for those radiator problems. Uh, it's kind of astounding to me how good this trio is. And they've kept this trio for quite a long time. So it's it they're, they're in, extremely in sync with each other. And to me, it just looks like they're happy to be there as well. Like Anthony Davison, you watch him around the track and he just looks like he's having an absolute whale of a time. Oh yeah, uh, a lot of these guys have also raced in other things, and uh, or have raced here and then left to go do other things and come back. And uh, I mean, too, the the P two cars are just um, they're quick, they're fun, um, nimble, that kind of stuff. Like they they absolutely um, they're they're fun to drive. I feel like mm. uh, at least as far as what the drivers have have kind of came back and commented on. So. Um, yeah, I mean, especially when you're racing at Le Mans too, and with such a tight field with so many good drivers, you know, what's not to like and what's not to get happy about, right? So all these guys, yeah, are are absolutely fantastic drivers. And like I said, I, I feel like it's United Autosports race to lose, at least from what they've shown in the last few years, even still, um, you know, with championships and with Le Mans. But um, looking for people to come out from best of the rest, this is absolutely one of those entries that... Should be right up there. Same with WRT and uh, and even even maybe uh, some other one that we weren't even thinking about. You know, Racing maybe PR one Motorsports Racing Team Rhythm. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Netherlands too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, again, yeah, this is a fantastic lineup. So I'm, you know, their aspirations are easily podium, if not higher. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, a team, uh, one of the one of the parts of Le Mans is the the exorbitant amount of invites given to French teams, and one that always gets an invite, it seems, is the SO24. Uh, it's, it, this year, it's uh, D Rob, Die Rob by Graf Racing uh, that is given an entry. Uh, these guys are racing the Pro Am category with their bronze Arnold Robin, and I believe his relative Maxime Robin I believe it's his son um and then uh the stalwart in that team uh Vincent Capillier as the silver uh I I have I have no information about the the two Robins but I think that I I know that uh Capillier owns the McDonald's or runs the McDonald's at uh on the Mulsanne so (laughs) that's his claim to fame yeah he's he's easily my favorite driver for sure, <laughs> and and we're not going to say say anything about his uh uh twenty uh seventeen antics to the the um. Yep. Nope. Nope. Not going to say a word. <laughs> uh, actually, you are right. I think it is uh it is Julian Canal who's the uh the the McDonald's guy. But uh, Vincent Capillier uh is he. Is born, was born, and lives at uh, Le Mans as well. So he's definitely very, very local to the track. Does that yeah, give him I an mean, advantage? He even, does, he even does racing, like like coaching and stuff like that, um, too. During uh, some of the Le Mans weekends and whatever, like oh, cool. Yeah, he'll take people out in a Porsche and do, do the track. It's always a neat. Porsche, isn't it? It's always a Porsche. Always a Porsche. Well, they're cheap, and they're good. And they're cheap. And, and, anyway. and they're good. Um, uh, what are your thoughts? What do these guys be aiming for? Um, finish. 
finish. I, I reckon I, I'd agree with that. If they get to the finish, I think that would be a good good shout for them. Uh, next up, we have the second of the Team WRT cars. Now, this was the one that really took uh, the ACO by storm uh, with the uh, bronze dri- Oh, sorry, the silver driver, the AM being Yifei Yi, a student of the Patrick Pile driver coach, uh, driver management school, I guess. Um, and then a gold-rated Louis Delatraz, uh, who has raced in LMP1 before. He raced with Rebellion last year, driving what is now the Alpine A480. Uh, And then, of course, yeah, we knew this was coming, Robert Kubica uh, as the platinum driver, as the real driving force and the star power behind the team. This car, this team, has just entirely broken what we thought was possible in terms of LMP2. They joined uh, in their first race in the European Le Mans series and won comprehensively and then went on to do it again at the Red Bull ring in an incredible dash to the finish. These guys have really shaken up the totem pole in LMP2, haven't they? They have. And, I mean, it's, 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 it's not crazy surprising i mean it is surprising but it you know at the same time it's such a good outfit that um you'd expect them to do pretty well um but yeah i mean some of their wins have kind of just fallen to them and others have just been just really dominant performances so um yeah these guys are definitely my probably pick of best of rest to fight against united autosport um well, and i can well, easily this... see it this is the thing, right? How many teams have come into LMP2 and won their debut race? Not many. No, if any. WRT is, is one of them. Real Team Racing, actually, is another one that uh, nabbed a win uh, at Monza in their first race, I believe. Uh, but then, as well, the, the the run at the Red Bull ring, Delatraz versus Colapinto, and for Delatraz to, to make that pass and to win that race, really shows that he's got the stuff as a young up-and-coming professional and you add Yifei Yi to that, who had a breakout season the uh, the Asian Le Mans yep. series. This is this is scary. It it's scary. It's scary, Cookie. Yeah, it's it's this lineup is insanely good, insanely good. And then the package underneath it to Oreco with Team WRT servicing the whole thing. You know, the setup seems to be fantastic. Like this is going to be a mightily quick car, and you know it. If, like I said, again, if we're going to see anything that isn't United Autosport winning or leading a lot, this could absolutely be the car that just drives away from everybody, too. So, this is my pick for the win. I know, I, I, I know, I know, but I, this is my pick for the win. I, I can't not, not say that. I mean, you could absolutely say it, it wouldn't be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just that that's that's what I'm going with. Anyway, they're currently leading the European Le Mans Series Championship as well uh, with this car, so uh, it's not completely coming out of left field. But like, damn. Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and I, it's almost just like, what do we? Like, well, like what do we, we even, even say? What do yeah. we even say? Giffy, fantastic, Delatraz, he's absolutely you know former GP two or F two, uh, and then Kubica, like obviously still good. Like, like and on top of that as well, we we've we've said it enough times, but WRT they are a fully professional outfit. Like there will be no mistakes in the pits. There will be exemplary strategy. They will be infallible in the pit lane. It it'll be like Porsche's running that team. Oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, so these guys absolutely should be up there. I mean, mm. barring any incident or any Lamar-esque kind of thing that could ensnare them, uh, this is going to be one that easily should be in a podium position. Mm. Uh, absolutely, easily, easily. easily. Uh, we'll move from we'll move off from the forty-one to uh, maybe the other end of the totem pole, the number forty-four car, the ARC Bratislava car. Now, this car has been throughout the entire WE season as a Ligier, but they managed to acquire an Orica a chassis and were given special dispensation to use the Orica chassis for to change chassis in the middle of the season. Um, so they will be now running the uh, Orica chassis. So we'll get to see again whether or not the, the change in chassis uh, is as big a deal as it has proven to be so far uh, in the LMP2 category. Uh, now, this is a Pro-Am cars car because it has a bronze rated driver and that is Miroslav Konopka. Um, uh, who's the the man behind ARC Bratislava? He's driving with his son Matej Konopka, and uh, a former, I believe, former Straka driver Oliver Webb uh, as the third in that class. Now, your thoughts on ARC Bratislava? Um, thank you for trying with the Ligier. Let's let's see how we do with the Eureka. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Uh, we, we've got a, a comment uh, in the uh, in the chat saying that uh, ARC Bratislava is a LMP3 imposter in in an LMP2 car, and it, it kind of feels that way. I, I, I know that's not very nice to say, but they do feel like an LMP3 team that's in an LMP2 race. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, do you remember a few years ago, I think this was prior to the... Uh, P217 regulations when they had uh, a crash at uh, was it Indianapolis and over the course of an hour and a half managed to limp their car back, taking it behind the barriers for repairs, putting it back on track and get it to the garage only to find out that there was chassis damage. Uh, remember, do you remember that during the night hours? Yeah, that was fun. Mm. Uh, hopefully, like, hopefully we don't see that again in terms of them having a big crash, but it, it did really show the fighting spirit of that team. So if they can bring that, that'll be good. Yeah, definitely a fan favorite team for sure. <laughs> they, do, they do have a really cool livery though. The the uh, yellow, yellow orange with the, the multicolored sort of uh, splotches or streaks across it. Uh, it's, it's really yeah. reminiscent. It's kind of like what Alex put in chat uh, just now. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> yeah that's a good a, point it's yep. i hate it i hate it for those who can't see it's a it's a star that shows shines across the scene with there was an attempt written on it and multicolored colors coming off the back and it's like it's very photorealistic truth be told for the Ligier, yeah absolutely. yeah for the Ligier. uh we'll see how they do in an orca what do you reckon if they get to the finish yes yeah top, i, I top, top five in pro-am just get to the finish yeah, I, I agree. That's That will be a noble goal for them. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. The second of the IDEX Sports cars, number 48. Uh, this car is the second of the full-season European Le Mans Series car, featuring Paul Lafargue as the silver driver, Paul Loup Chatin as the gold driver, and Patrick Pile as uh, a platinum. Now, Pile filled in for them last year when uh, Jonathan Kennard uh, suffered a... Well, he had a crash, and then he didn't... Was it... He ha- he was injured from the crash, and so that's why PLA got drafted in. But 
as a as a full French lineup in this full French team, that it's it's a it's a pretty cool little lineup they got going there with Lafargue, the Chitin, and Pile. Yeah, I mean, and they got a decent shot. If if some of the little bit faster cars might have some issues, these guys can absolutely take a take a top five or even a podium potentially. Um, there, it's not a bad lineup at all. Yeah, and um, it, it, it's it's not jumping out at you and smack you in the face like some of the other ones are, but it's definitely it's it, they've got drivers that can get the job done. Yeah, and and this car, let's not forget, was one of the two cars that started a lap down last year because of missing qualifying and ended up finishing the race seventh overall, and that that had the same driver lineup except it was Richard Bradley instead of uh, Patrick Pile, and as as much as I respect Richard Bradley. Pele is certainly a step up. Oh yeah, it's a huge step up. <laughs> uh, and he's not—he's not slow in a prototype either. He's no, quick. it was uh, of course Patrick Pele, uh, former Porsche factory driver. If you don't recognize that name, uh, this car has had a few decent results. They had a sixth at the Red Bull Ring, and uh, you know a few top tens. They're sitting ninth in the championship, which is about their, where their pace has been um, in the European Le Mans series field. I, I reckon they're better than, than ninth, uh, and certainly better than ninth at Le Mans. I reckon these might be a, a you know a, a dark horse for for a good result if they keep out of trouble. Yes, if they keep out of trouble, for sure. Um, they have the capability absolutely to, to finish up there, but <clears throat> it's just going to be making sure they just yeah don't run into any issues, um, and then yeah have maybe some a little bit of competitor misfortune, and they they absolutely have a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another team that I think has a quite a good chance, maybe another outsider for a good result, the number 49 high-class racing car. This is the full Dane train. We, we talked about the, the mostly Dane train earlier on, the number uh, 20 car. This is the, the additional entry for high-class racing. And this is a program that is very, very exciting if you are into uh, motorsport around the world. So you've got the silver driver is Anders Fjordback, who has been part of the high-class racing lineup uh, since they started racing prototypes in 2017. Actually took two second places in his first two races, uh, which was very, very exciting. Uh, and then here's the the big names for this year's, uh, I almost said Tour de France, for this year's 24 hours. Uh, Jan, <laughs> Jan Magnussen and Kevin Magnussen, father-son racing duo, racing in the same car uh, for the 24 hours. Even, like, forgetting the fact that they are uh, you know, very good established races in their own right. That's a pretty good feel-good story. Oh, it's a great feel-good story. It's going to be a huge fan favorite. Um, I mean, just all uh, just hype train around Kevin and Jan and all that. So they they're huge, huge crowd favorites. Um, especially Jan Stintz uh, with Panos and Corvette, and then obviously Kevin uh, being ex Formula One. So yeah, that is um, that's one to be uh, on just always looking out for mm. um i i'll be pleasantly surprised if they finish top five i what um, pleasantly surprised i reckon they're a shoo-in you think they're a shoo-in well the my, my logic is this right yan magnuson has decades of experience at lamar okay maybe not in a prototype recently but still decades of experience at lamar kevin magnuson is a former formula one driver so we know he's quick as well and anders fjordback as far as bronze drive oh sorry as far as amateur drivers go he's well up there uh 
I've I've been a, a great fan of, of Fjordback since since the the first two races of the 2017 ELMS season, where he somehow managed to drag a brand new team and a brand new establishment in a brand new chassis in the Delaro, let's not forget as well, to two second places in in their first two races. It was it was incredible. So I've got a lot of respect for Fjordback, and I reckon that those three elements combined would see them would see them make a top five. It would probably require someone like a Yoda or a Joda or a United or a uh, a G drive to have a, a, a mistake, but I reckon they're going to be in the best position to capitalize. Yeah. I mean, I, look, that that's a solid take. I, I don't really have any, any disagreements with that. I, I think they will definitely, um, uh, I think the pace that they'll show will tell in, in, uh, in free practices. So, mm, okay. Um, we'll know a little bit more then, but I, yeah, I do think that they're going to be quick. It's just how consistent will they be? And then how, how quick will they be as a group is remains to be seen. Well, you know, and I do think Jan will do well, but the, yeah, there is that X factor of whether or not how quickly he adapts to this and, you know, doesn't have any issues or off track moments or anything like that, that could, kind of ruin their ruin their race that kind of thing so we'll see yes indeed we will see uh four more cars left on the conventional entry list uh number 65 panos racing now this is the one with the mcdonald's signage on it and that is because of julian canal who owns the mcdonald's on mulsanne straight he is the silver driver and he's joined by former f1 driver will stevens and another one of the breakout performances from last year james allen now, James Allen was the driver in the first part of the race last year uh, in the Graf racing car that was bullying the leaders of the race, bullying the likes of Felipe Albuquerque and Roman Rusinov, and unfortunately uh, crashed out very late on the race, but still a very impressive performance. Uh, how do we rate the Panas racing operation? Um, solid. I'll say solid. Um, I'm not going to say top five. There's just not enough people. There's there's yeah. just too many people to fit in top five, so I'm gonna say just just outside of top five, that's 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 where I'm pegging these guys to to finish at. So we'll see. They uh, James Allen uh, was in fifth place when he had his accident last year. Uh, Julian Canal uh, last year was racing with Nicola Jamin. That's where. See, I told you that name was familiar. Uh, and Matteo Vaxavier, uh, which is I I think Will Stevens and James Allen is a step up on that pair. Of course, Vaxavier is in the, in the Alpine now. Uh, so I, I, I still hold out some hope. The problem is that top five gets very crowded very quickly. Yeah. And, and again, yeah, this is where setup is going to, is going to matter. The crew, that kind of thing um, that all will come into play and to an effect here. So that's what I'm thinking. Like they're going to, they have the, they have potential to do, pretty well but uh, like i said I, I just don't think that they're going to be knocking on top five i think they're they're top 10 okay uh, i i think they'll be aiming for top five but a top 10 will be a good result for them regardless so yeah, i'll say that's solid take yeah three cars left uh the number 70 real team racing this is the last of the wc full season entries uh f- this is a pro-am entry as well as it has esteban garcia as the bronze and then loic duval and norman nato as the pair of pro pro drivers in that car now loic duval 
that's a that's a very very uh, scary looking name. Of course, a former Audi LMP1 driver, Norman Nato, as well a very established French prototype driver, uh, has taken wins in the European Le Mans series, if I recall correctly. Uh, these guys uh, took the first race in the Pro Am category uh, with uh, sorry, they came second in the first race, and then won at Portimao, and they currently lead the Pro-Am championship in the WEC. What do we make of that? This is a, uh, this is a sleeper, in my opinion. It's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good pick if you're like, feel for fantasy. If you're wanting to maybe try to get one that, uh, that this might sneak up the order, the running order, uh, to surprise some people. Um, it's got the potential to, with just the driver lineup, uh, Normanato is fantastic. Lloyd Duvall is good. Esteban Garcia, um, bronze, but I mean, he's capable of absolutely just keeping on the track and whatnot. So, um, yeah, leading pro-am right now in NWC. So I think they've got a decent shot at it. Um, you know, keep expectations slightly muted with them, but at the same time, I mean, they, they absolutely have the potential to do well. I, I think the the pro am category, uh, assuming no one runs into significant issues, will be between Racing Team Netherlands, this car, and the uh, I think the Dragon Speed car of Hedman Hanley and Montoya. I think they're going to be the ones I'm going to be looking out for. Oh, and of course the G Drive car as well. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's it's going to be an interesting uh, car. This is, this is of course uh, they're making their debut at, as a WC team. I'm not sure if they're making their debut at Le Mans. I feel like they may have run here in 2019. But either way, it's still uh, an impressive run for them uh, and an impressive way to lead into the the marquee event, leading the championship. Oh, for sure. Um, and especially coming into Le Mans, um, mm. you know. And how much that might slingshot them further um, with the championship battle, or you know how much that could hinder them, and they could run into some problem, and it really just blows the entire championship wide open again. So, yeah, um, I do. You know, there is something to be said for having this um, back in the middle of the calendar season again, too. Just from a championship standpoint, um, it does make it interesting to kind of have a discussion about you know, look, there some people are running away from it here, but. You know, can they carry that momentum into the race? And also, can they just use anything from the Mall to carry them for the rest of the season? Um, and how much that might affect them. So, yeah. Absolutely. Should be a, yeah, should be, should be a good twist to this race, no matter what happens. Uh, two more cars left. Uh, number 74, the racing team India Eurasia. Now, this has been a bit of a story uh, that's gone on in this car. Uh, initially uh, slated to have um, Arjun Maney and... I think it was Naveen Rao in the car. Is that right? Or was it Narain Karthikeyan? Um, in any case, they have been able to make the event uh, because of COVID-related happenings. Um, so the Eurasia team has drafted in uh, three brand new drivers uh, to fill that car. They're running the Pro-Am category uh, with two bronzes, uh, John Corbett and Tom Clot. And they've got uh, James Winslow as a silver driver and they still entered under racing team india uh, as uh, despite having no indian drivers uh and they've still got a admittedly very very pretty looking livery uh yes. running that indian motif again with no indian drivers thoughts 
<laughs> Wolf in sheep's clothing. No. Um, yeah, this is uh, finish the race, boys. Finish the race. I mean, for, for those who've been drafted in at the last second, that's like, hey, that's a great, great opportunity for them to, to yeah. just enjoy racing at Lamar. Yeah. I mean, the average age of these guys is like 39. Mm. So, um, yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. Just just finish it. Two bronzes and a silver. Like, just don't get anybody's way. You're driving the one Ligier. Um, yes. That is something home. that I didn't mention. Yeah, I like this. This uh, like this could imme- This could turn into LMPC very quickly. There, so, it is. It is basically the recipe for the slowest car, car in the class, yeah. right? You have yeah. you have three AMs, two of which are bronzes, and you're in the Ligier, the only Ligier, uh, and you've had just a raft of driver changes right at the very end of the process. Yeah, again, recipe for uh, this annihilating what like. Watch this annihilate Rizzy. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Another another terrible LP two entry just annihilates Rizzy again at Lamar and a chicane. Speaking of Rizzy Competizione, they're also running an LP two. Uh, the uh, number Say what? Yeah, didn't you know this? And well, no, yeah, no. I'm just I was just playing it off. What's more shocking, the fact that they're running an LP two, or the fact that this has absolutely nothing to do with Ferrari at all? Nothing to do at all with LMH Ferrari. They've been like they. He's a Ferrari dealer. He might even have Ferrari on the side of this stupid thing. But apparently, this has nothing to do with the the Ferrari like factory effort at all. Like, I I think that's cool. I think it's good to I see, awesome. see it's just, it's like actually just racing for the sake of racing. Like, damn. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, this car, uh, of course, if you've been a fan of Risi Competizione in the States through Insert, that's like, they're cool, cool people. It's great to see them making their way back into more races after the problems with one of those hurricanes. You call yep. them hurricanes in the States, don't you? Uh, hurricanes. Hurricanes. No, no, we call them hurricanes. Yes. Yeah. Um, cause they're... Lam- Lamborghini calls them hurricanes. So. <laughs> Shut up. Um... <laughs> Uh, drivers are Ryan Cullen, Oliver Jarvis, and Felipe Nasser, which is like a crazy good trio of drivers as well. Ryan Cullen, yeah. I, I believe yeah. he's from your Ryan neck of the woods. Good. No, he's he's Great Britain, but he 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 yeah he did uh, he did go through the stateside. Uh, Didn't he race with Starworks? He raced for Marussia Manor in GP3. Oh in damn! 2014, um, and then did some Porsche Super Cup, European Le Mans Series, 2018, 2019, 2020. Um, and then did a year uh, one uh, 2019 uh, Daytona 24 with Dragon Speed in 2019. Um, and then he's done two 24 hours uh, for G Drive last year with Algarve. That's, and, yeah, uh, that's where I remember the name from. And DNF'd with uh, Ollie Jarvis and Nick Tandy. That was the lineup. And uh, then 2019, mm-hmm. he raced with Brundle and uh, Will Owen uh, with United Autosports. So, so hey, this is the second year in a row then that he's running with Jarvis uh, in that car. Oliver Jarvis, of course, again, former Audi uh, LMP1 driver and got plenty of uh, plenty of pace, plenty of um, accolades uh, that he brings to the team. Felipe Nasser. Now, that's an interesting one for me. Now, he was he an F1 driver or was that a different Felipe? He was an F1 driver. Yeah, he was an F1 driver. Then went to the wheel and engineering... Uh, DPI and was winning yep. races in that. Then went to uh, the uh, and side by side was running in the Settler Delara 
and mm-hmm. bringing them way up the field as well. He's an incredibly quality driver in that car. Yes. Like, yeah, that, that entry list is fantastic. Colin is extremely quick. Jarvis is very quick. Nazar is insanely quick. Um, so this is also a very big sleeper pick. It's just depending on how good that setup is and how good the team is, kind of that can back them up. So, yeah, exactly. This is going to be a very uh, interesting, interesting pick if you can uh, get your hands on it. Uh, what do you reckon their aspirations are? A, a very good silver and two platinum drivers, one with F1 experience, one with LMP1 experience. Yeah, I'd say this is a sleeper pick for easy top 10, maybe top 5 podium. Like, they just, if they keep a clean race and other people might have some problems, like, they, they're easy top 5. Easy top 5. How many I'll cars, have we, said, how many cars have we said there that are easy top fives? Pro-Am versus regular. Oh, you know? yeah. So there's 10 opportunities there. So I, I feel like I feel like I'm probably at like 11 or 12, but that's still, that's close. I, uh, yeah, uh, check my maths here, guys. Uh, is is 11 or 12 more than five? I'm not sure. No, there's two, there's a pro, there's a pro yeah, I know, I know, five, I know. And, oh, okay. But like, but like we've said, we've said a, a top five about... Two of the United cars, both WRT cars, G-Drive car, both Jota Sport cars, a racing team Netherlands car. You know, like, there's there's so much quality in this field. It makes it makes getting a top five, hell, getting a top ten, a real achievement uh, in this class. And it just goes to show a, a testament to how strong the LMP2 is globally, uh, well, in its three major markets, that being Europe, Asia, and uh, the US, and in the WEC, and how many teams, and the driving talent that these teams can attract, just because of the quality of the competition, the quality of the cars, and the quality of the races, like, that's, this is, this is an incredible field of drivers. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I mean, we say that every year about the LMP2, but it's, it's, the, it's the truth, it's the case every year. We we have enough former F1 drivers for its own F1 grid in LMP2. <laughs> like that's that's ridiculous to say. Okay, it's that time, Cookie. Give me your actual top five. Your top five. I'll, I'll give you two subs as well. We're playing Powerball now, except the balls are Orica's Orica O sevens. All right, so you want two top fives? I want I want a top... No, I, forget Pro-Am. We'll just do a top three in Pro-Am. Your overall... Your LMP2 top five, and you get two extra. So you get seven. Uh, does that mean in a specific order, or I just give seven? It, you, you choose. You get to choose. You are the arbiter I'm, of this decision. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing order, because fuck... Eh, <laughs> screw that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll say... Um, Obviously, you know, I had Autosports number uh, 23. Um, uh, and I guess, yeah, we could put 22 in there as well. Uh, G-Drive. Um, we'll do 26, I want to say. Yeah, probably yep. 26. The, um, the Rusinov of Colopinto de Vries car? Yep. Yep. Uh, Team WRT 41. Yeah, two more, right? Uh, yep. So that's I don't I haven't been keeping track. So you said uh, both United twenty two and twenty three for United Autosports. Twenty two, twenty three, twenty six. G Drive, yep. Uh, and then forty one. So that's four. So you get three more. Uh, I'm gonna go twenty nine. Twenty nine, Racing Team Netherlands. 
Yep. A pro am one. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I'll do 49 high class racing and 82 Reezy. There we go. There we go. So, 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 so you've got, let's go through those again. Uh, the 22 United Auto Sports, Hanson, Scherer, and Albuquerque. The 23, Duresta, Alex, Lynn, Wayne Boyd. Um, you said the number 26, Roman Rusinov, Colapinto, and Nick DeFries. That's a, a great car. Uh, the racing team Netherland car, uh, of Fritz van der Gita van der Garde, Job van Otert. Uh, and did you say, so you said the 41, the team WRT car with Kubica, Delatras, and Yifei, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. yep. High class, the Magnuson high class car with Fjordback and Reese yep. entirely avoiding Jota Sport, I noticed. Yes. Yep. Interesting. Yep. 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 Why? Well, I mean, I had to leave some of them out, and these are just a, a couple of them were kind of like just sneaky picks. Like, I'm just kind of thinking some people are going to have some issues and stuff because there's, there's literally like I could have picked three other people. That's that's for, true. Three yeah. Cars, I feel uh, like entries. So I'll pay that. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll start off in the same place. So I'm saying the United Autosports. Uh, 22 and 23. I'm going to say they're going to be in the mix. Um, I'm going to go the 28 Joda Sport car, the the Galeo Van Dorn Blomquist car. Yeah, um, that's a good car. Yeah. Uh, I also am thinking the 29 Racing Team Netherland car as as your your pro am as Smokey. Uh, I'm going to go both WIT cars, the 31 and the the 41. So Fryens, Habsburg, Malesi, and Kubica, Delatras, and Yifei. Uh, and then I'm going to also go the high-class racing uh, Magnuson Feet Fjordback car. So they're going to be my seven. So both of us have avoided... That's, that's a stout seven. <laughs> yeah, both of us have avoided the number 38 car, the Mighty 38, which finished second last year. Let's let's remind everyone. Um, I, have, I avoided the G-Drive car. The number twenty six car, which I know, I know everyone at home is going. How? How is that possible? Uh, we've both avoided the number thirty four uh, into Europol car, which has. Let's remind everyone has three top fives this season. It's it's very very close up at the top. It's 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 insanely close, and that's uh, yeah. We say it every year, um, but. Just for the level of competition that I think United Autosports has specifically now this year, and for what we've seen from some of the teams, like there's definitely a case to be made for a lot of different entries to have a case to win either Pro Am or just their uh, LP2 overall. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what this class has, and 25 entries is insane. Well, it's, it's like crazy. A 25 is a good good healthy grid in P2, but it's also kind of 25 plus 1, because there is, of course, the innovative car entry, a, a colloquially Garage 56, or at least it used to be, uh, and this year it's an, it's an LMP2 car, much like it was not last year, but the year prior. It's, it's the Association SRT41 machine, uh, which is a modified LMP2 Orica 07, uh, featuring two drivers uh, with para, uh, paraplegia, who are paraplegic. Um, so Nigel Bailey from Belgium and Takuma Aoki from Japan. Uh, they're the, the two two of the drivers of these cars. Um, Aoki might be a name familiar to people who used to watch motorbike racing about uh, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, a former, yeah. um, it was a, a superbike rider. Yeah, then had a... A big motorcycle crash. crash or paralyzed him, yeah. Yeah. So um, 
so that's what the the SRT forty one team is about. It's about driver mobility and race driver mobility. Uh, initially, it's a project run by a guy called Frederick Sosse, who was a was he a driver as well before uh, becoming a triple amputee or a quadruple amputee? I believe so, but don't call me. I'm not sure. Okay, okay, we won't quote quote him on that. Um, but don't, don't he, call me. He he managed to race in 2016 um, with a pair of other drivers in an open top. I think it was a Morgan LMP2, and they completed yep. the race. They had to modify all of the controls. They they had a a kind of a a, a slot in the steering wheel for a, a appendage to attach into, so that way, um, uh, basically he was uh, Frederick was steering the car with a um uh. Uh, a sort of a, like almost a slot on his hand like a, a sort of mating probe I guess that's a really bad but you know basically like a hook effectively um, controlling the car I believe he had uh, the brake pads uh, as in like the braking mechanism between his thighs so he had to squeeze his legs together in order to brake the car um, and there's uh, a few other little nifty things they had to bring the car into the garage and crane him in um, so it was an incredible story, an incredible um, uh, organization that he's put together from it. And then this is the first real run in anger of a, of a team that's uh, continuing that sort of legacy. Um, the third driver in that car is a, a full able body driver, Matteo LaHaye, who's been subbed in at the last moment because the initial driver, I believe, had was sick or had a COVID test or something. Yeah, yeah, there's a COVID issue with that. So, uh, like... I think it's awesome. What What do you think, Cookie? What, uh, as far as innovative innovative technology goes, uh, is this to the spirit? Is this car to the spirit of the the class? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as flashy as I think people would immediately suspect from the class, and I'm sure we'll be seeing that in you know in the next few years, especially with hydrogen and, and whatnot. So, um, and that will be interesting in itself. But and you know, I think this is a absolute. This is a worthy. Uh, placeholder, not placeholder, but it's it's a worthy occupier of the garage fifty six, um, you know mentality. I feel like so, and I think this is kind of it's it's finding a way that racing can push the the boundaries or edges of what's possible using motorsport and automotive industry that kind of thing. And I think anything any wrinkle like that is is worth a look at, and um, you know, and it can it's it's just an extra way to draw people that wouldn't probably have been fans in the first place to check this out. And even if they don't end up being fans later, they at least know, you know, something like this happened. Very neat, very interesting, very cool. So why not, you know, continue to have it? So I, I have no problems with this. Um, especially because I, I don't really think there was a whole lot of other yeah. <laughs> opportunities for other things here anyway. So might as well, you know, keep trying, you know, this, this out, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a problem. I don't, I don't know that people definitely are tired of it, but, um, you know, why would you be tired I of it? I, I like, I, I I'm sorry. I'm astounded by that. Um, because I think garage 56 to some people is, is supposed to be just like this, like technical innovation kind of yeah. thing. And whereas this is, this is kind of more or less like, you know, it's, it's, it's mo it's accessibility and mobility, well, which like to some people I feel like isn't like necessarily motorsport driven, but I don't mind it at all. Like I, I, I think this is, I think this is good. Yeah, I, so, yeah. I I also think it's good. I I can't imagine being a former bike racer or car racer and suffering an injury that takes that 
accessibility takes that activity away from you and then being given the opportunity to have some of that back like that that is really really cool and we all like the whole point of lamar is building technologies that then make their way into road cars and if any of these technologies be it hand like a physical hand braking or accelerator paddles or whatever other innovations they've got going are able to make their way into consumer vehicles to give people who have had injuries or accidents who do not have fully abled bodies the opportunity to drive again or to drive at all i think that is certainly uh, innovative technology and to do it in in a sports car a, a prototype vehicle at the world's biggest motor race like that is that is a pretty pretty cool thing i think and i, I love that they get get this opportunity absolutely i can't agree more so cookie that's the LM H and LMP two classes wrapped up. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> how, are you, how are you going to be following the race? Um, probably on my porch with multiple monitors and TV screens and stuff. And then, damn, that sounds awesome. Chips and dip and yeah. What if good. what if I was someone brand new to endurance racing and I asked you how the heck do I watch this thing? What would you say? Well, Mike slash Floodman Eleven, I would go to the RWC. It's the WC official subreddit of <laughs> the, the World Dirt's Championship, and that there has all kinds of info for you and your family to enjoy Lamar easier this year. Also, has links to our Discord channel, which has great chats and live voice chat, some other cool features that will help enhance your 2021. 24 hours of the mall. So get on over there to reddit.com slash r slash WEC. <laughs> that was, that was, that was brilliant. Uh, of course, uh, we will still have another episode coming. Uh, the GTE class preview that will be, uh, uh, put together with myself and the pair of Chris's, um, is, as it is Le Mans week, we are recording this a day out of the test day, so I probably won't get it uploaded before the test day, but whatever. Um, there's going to be plenty going on around the sub. Make sure you do get involved, whether it's in our question threads or our session discussion threads or in our campfire chat that we always do on Friday. Make sure that you're abreast with all the news that happens throughout the weekend. Uh, a new thing that we're trying this year is to adopt a driver. Uh, there's, uh, I'm certain that some of these names that you would have heard today are very, very familiar to you, but there's some some names that might not be familiar. Um, so, if you if you'd like to have a, a, a sort of an interesting experience, uh, do some research into one of those unfamiliar names, adopt them, become their biggest fan for the week. Let us know how they're doing in the car and. Uh, whether or not they're performing admirably or uh, improving across the weekend. Uh, I, I hope to see a lot of engagement in that. Um, and of course, we will have a, a spotter's guide, a fan-produced spotter's guide this year. Normally, we'd be thanking Andy Blackmore Designs, but uh, unfortunately, he has uh, decided to hang up the graphics pen, so to speak. Um, but we will have a fan-sourced, fan-provided spotter's guide for this year. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And I think that about wraps it up. Oh, and of course, thank you very much to the Racing Line Designs. Uh, no, that's not the right sponsor. Ooh. Thank you very much hey, that, to... It could be our sponsor. ...the Racing Line dot app uh, for their continued support of us. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you for being a part of this as well, Cookie. Yeah, yeah. You, well, thanks for having me uh, as, this, as the outro music slowly consumes us all. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. 
Looking forward to hearing from Alpine so that they mm. sign on the hypercar. Um, and then we've got pre-race coming up a week, uh, a little less than a week now from today. Um, we'll probably do that an hour or two before uh, the cars roll off the grid. So, yeah, looking forward to the next fantastic week of motorsport. Thanks and, for having me on, Mike. Oh, it's it's always a pleasure doing this. And I can't believe that this is now our sixth one that we've been talking about together. That's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, the, yeah. the years keep ticking on by, buddy. They, they do, in fact, keep ticking. And you've certainly been more happy the last few years because Toyota have managed to win some. Uh, ha, ha. Had what to get in somewhere. a few years ago yeah I actually found um, what was it I think I found Snapchat yes. memories that I saved uh, of that I have those still I oh actually my found God. them recently yeah it was like it was straight up like 10 minutes to go yeah I know I remember I watched those Snapchats Awful. I felt bad Awful. for you anyway on Awful. that note thank you very much for listening thank you very much for being a part of my cookie I've been Michael Zalavari peace out Gazoo! Wait, G-R-O-1-O. Gazoo! Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, and good night. F- that's a great way. Whoa, I love that. See, I told you, <laughs> that man. Was cool. I, I, no, that was awesome. You did like complete reverse, and it worked. You didn't mess anything up. You like did all of them, but you did it in a completely different order. That was, uh, that no, was I perfect. I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I, do I loved it, dude. Uh, that was great. Uh- <laughs>